Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being with us on this fabulous Monday night. Uh, this is episode 89 of the Nick and Matt Show, which is actually pretty wild. I think as that number slowly increases to the 100, we might have to do a 100 episode giveaway, Matt. 100 episodes i thought of that today as i was punching in 89 i'm like yeah. we have to do something for 100 yeah it's got to we'll definitely be something. do something cool for it we'll do a live not in studio because we can't fit that many people in studio but like yeah. we'll put a whole bunch of seats out we'll sit on a stage we'll you know let people enjoy the way we do in person they can get the after shows all the good stuff that we do every show wait there's an after show nick yeah, I know. Every single time we end our show and then we talk for about another 30 minutes afterwards. <laughs> Sounds like an opportunity for Patreon. Yeah, hey, Evan's exactly. here in studio with me and Ben, of course, and it is going to be a good time tonight. We don't have a disc golf pro tour to talk about, Evan. So what are we going to talk about? We're not there yet, but what are we going to talk? about? Well, there were a few interesting uh, A-tiers last weekend. Uh, a lot of notable winners that we've talked about in the past, but one notable winner that is sitting in this virtual studio we are in. I, I got to look this way. <laughs> yeah, for, oh, for, our, for our audio <laughs> listeners, I turned and I swiveled and I pointed my finger at him yeah. across the screen. Anyways, that, sorry about that. Okay, so Nick, you get your first, this, this is accurate. You get your first A-tier win, right? This is yeah. your first time. Yep, my okay. first A-tier win. Tell us, um, tell us about, I'm going to interview you. What does this mean go to you, for it. Yeah. Oh, uh, what does this mean to me? Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Um, what it means to me is that I'm a competitive disc golfer, uh, especially, I would say, in the local scene in Virginia, more local events that I play, kind of like the lower caliber. Um, right now, I'm still not super, super competitive in the tour scene, which is where I'd like to be, but I know that I can go out week in and week out and know that, you know, okay, I have a shot up winning this. Um, and so for that, it just was a really, really fun time um winning it was pretty awesome i actually the second to last hole i think i had a four stroke lead um so i had two holes to play one was an easy par three and the other one was a little bit more of a difficult par three but not not super hard and i threed the first one and then on the final hole i had four four strokes and i told myself i was like okay if you know matt if he parks the hole I kind of looked up at the sky and I was just like, there's no way I six this right. You know, to bring a playoff. I was like, there's, there's no way I six this. And I was actually the last to tee off. And I, I peered the shot with my buzz and, and ended up only being about 15 feet from the basket. So I was wow. like, okay, there's definitely no way that I'm sixing this. And, um, but in all honesty, kind of going up to the second to last hole and then the last hole, um, my emotions definitely like really set in of, you know, holy cow, I'm about to win this A tier. It was miserable weather the first two days. The final day was actually pretty cool weather. Um, Gatekeeper Media actually filmed the final round. And so that was really cool, kind of getting this win on coverage. I don't know when it will be released, but um, I actually played pretty well on it too. I didn't play like incredible. I actually, I started out pretty hot and then I got cold through the middle of the course and then the end of the course, I picked it back up. Is that a th is that a theme? I remember Amside days when you were you you were pretty strong lead, and then you went into the round. You kind of yeah. slowed down, and then you just turned it on towards the end. Yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of like, um, 
it, it was weird because it was like the middle stretch of the course. Uh, there was a really hard par five that actually every single day I had an incredible drive on. And then I screwed up my upshot every single day. And then it resulted in me getting a par of the first round and then a double bogey the second round and a bogey the third round. And then um, I had just bogeyed a hole previously. I three putted a hole from, you know, I was about 40 feet away. I missed the jump putt and then I missed the comeback putt. I lost two strokes on that hole. So my lead was like kind of like back down to four. And I was like, okay, it's very easy to get these two stroke swings out here. So I just need to kind of play consistent. And then I ended up popping off three birdies in a row. And to win, I think you- from the. I was just going to say, oh. to win, you have to be pretty well-rounded because you're talking about like, hey, you know, yeah. whatever, you, hard holes, you don't want st- big stroke swings and yeah. all that. But like, fortunately, <clears throat> like for me, fortunately, um, the back half of the course actually had a couple forehand holes or, you know, mid-ranger putter shots off the tee. And so I felt confident that I wasn't going to bogey any of the holes. And then I actually, so one of the competitors who or two of the competitors who were about four or five strokes back on me with like five or six to go. They both threw bad tee shots on a hole. And so in my head, I was like, okay, all I have to do is just throw my meteor straight, let it fade. If I get a three, I'm still gaining a stroke on everyone. And then you'll see it on coverage whenever it comes out. But I like shanked it like 10 feet off my line and I ended up going OB. And that, at that point I was like, okay, I need to actually capitalize on these moments. Like I can't be letting stuff like that happen. And so I kind of like, walked away from the card for a second, got my mindset right. And then I ended up hitting a really, really good birdie putt on the next par four. I pured my drive on a very hard par three. And at that point I, I, I got to hold, we play, we started on hole two. And so I had 17, 18 and one left to go, which they're all very easy holes to par. And they're like, sl- not easy to birdie, but uh, one of the holes I could have laid up for a par it's on a hillside. And uh, I ended up running a birdie putt because I had a seven-stroke lead, and I was kind of like, why not? I mean, it, you earned you know, it. I have, I have strokes to give, so I missed that putt. It actually rolled away, so then I had to lay up and get my bogey. Um, well, but it was cool. All, all my shots, I will say, just kind of like throughout the weekend, a lot of my shots felt great. Uh, my backhand's been feeling really, really good lately. My putting, you know, definitely saved my butt. And I think I, I played better in the rain than most people, only in the sense of like, I actually, I'd much, I've said this probably a hundred times, but I'd much rather play in the rain than the wind. Judge that. So is I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, here we go. I'm actually getting what I want. There's no wind, but it's, you know, pouring down rain on us. And so it was kind of like, all right, make sure my hands are dry. Make sure I have plenty of towels. My feet are dry and just play nice and slow. You'll, you'll notice a couple of times whenever the coverage comes out on a couple of the upshots, the final day, the course was still disgustingly muddy. And on a couple upshots, I actually slipped pretty bad. But luckily, I disked down to a mid-range on those upshots so that I wouldn't feel like I had to force a driver. You know, I'd be 350, 400 feet away, but I threw a buzz instead of throwing an Onyx or an Undertaker just because I was like, you know what, even if I slip a little bit and lose a little power, it's still going to hit the line that I want to. So I think mentality-wise, I don't know, I I just played it pretty well. And it was cool. So I mean, putting in the last put was definitely... that. It's funny, that was the most nervous putt that I had was the final putt, and it was one of the shortest birdie putts I had all day. So, I, I have a picture of you somewhere in my phone holding the Amside trophy when that was your biggest yeah. win. And yeah. I the other day it popped up, and I was like, oh, that's a good memory. 
And then here you go winning your first A tier. And I was joking you on social media. Hey, you're Mm -hmm. making lead cards on the tour, winning A tiers to the moon. I said, let's go. So my question is, do I get a finder's fee? I mean, I discovered Nick Carl, the disc golfer, or at least I introduced you to the sport. If if I paid everyone the fees that everyone's brought up, like my dad said, <laughs> yeah. I owed my mom ten percent because I won on Mother's Day and I wasn't spending it with her. Um, Hannah said that I probably owe her five bucks from yep. some sort of where. If I paid everyone the finders fees and everything like that, Ooh, I, the I lunches you anything. owe, all those pros. Yeah, back all the, in the lunches day. I owed are finally paid off. There, <laughs> we're we're caught up. My, Excellent, my tab's been covered. So that's awesome nick like truly proud when i see you know you're saying you got the win it's just fun to Mm -hmm. think of the journey we've always talked about that together it's been a long time coming um there's been times where you weren't sure (laughs) honestly it's probably times i wasn't sure i'm like ah then nick makes the move he gets an apartment he's living the big life (laughs) like it's happening that's great let's let's talk about this real quick we have uh i don't know how you want to say ulibari ulibari he says either is fine if you watched their practice rounds back last year, the funniest thing I ever heard was when the, I think it was Big Germ called him like Bully Berry or something. It was just really funny. You're a big Bully Berry or something. Anyways, call him whatever you want. We're going to have him on the show uh, in about 20 minutes from now. That should be a good time uh, with Paul Uliberry. And But I want to do this. I, we interviewed Dylan Cease about two months ago or a month ago. Uh, not a month ago. It was about two months ago. Awesome interview. Very easy to talk to he loves disc golf so we can unite around that he just made it out to our neck of the woods here where we're recording from in massachusetts he went to boston fenway park one of the most well-known baseball parks in the world and i thought to myself i think i still have his contact in my phone matt have you ever texted a major league baseball pitcher after they pitched at fenway and said good you know good game and i was like no you haven't and i'm like you have to do that (laughs) So I texted him, said, hey, good game. And if you're, you know, I know you got a lot going on. You're, you're doing big things in the world. If you get tempted to come out to Maple Hill, let me know. And he goes, trust me, I would like love to do that. And I was like, all right, man. So it, it's obviously not going to happen. He's got big things going on. But Evan, tell us, tell us your story because we were trying to coordinate making it out there, but it was Mother's Day. He was supposed to pitch on Mother's Day, and I told my wife, she's like, I don't think it's going to work out. But tell us what happened, because I think you made it out to a game at Fenway this weekend. Yeah, okay. well, I noticed the White Sox were playing the Red Sox. Um, they play they play at Fenway every year um, because they're both in the American League. Saw it coming up, saw when Dylan Cease was pitching, kind of got the sense of the White Sox rotation, playing, like counted out the days. I was like, okay, he is pitching on Sunday. You never know. Things can change. Told you guys, unfortunately, you guys weren't able to make it on Mother's Day, as you were just saying. But turns out that he ended up pitching on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> That's... These, these things happen. I knew it was a possibility, but I was hoping it didn't happen. I bought tickets for Sunday. Ended up still going. Had a great time still, although the Red Sox lost. But sometimes, you know, they just have an off day, and they want to keep a guy on a set schedule, or someone else gets injured, and, and someone else gets bumped up. But... I didn't even notice until Sunday morning. I'm getting ready to go. And I'm like, okay, he's still pitching today, right? Like, I'm going to go either way, but checked. And it was like, oh, it was a different pitcher. And I'm like, what the heck happened? Then I look at yesterday's game and I see him pitch. He let up one run through five innings. Pretty solid start. Um, and so missed it. I wasn't able to go on Saturday anyways. So even if we knew that was happening, I wouldn't be able to go. But uh, the Red Sox are also bad right now. So we can... 
move That's on from I've the heard. Red Sox tie. But can you? Is it ever a losing situation to go to a game at Fenway? I mean, it's it's an experience. Of course not. Yeah, it's an yeah. experience. Although it was like forty eight degrees and windy. windy. It was in Poria. Yeah. Let me tell you this. And where our seats were was like perfect wind tunnel like it was just coming up straight up the stands we were in the shade i underdressed um and i was freezing my butt off um, wow i'm telling you i would have flipped over your most stable disc if i was throwing down this Ooh, that would be fun throwing at fenway i know they that dd has done like the what do they call them the stadium experiences or whatever they're disc golf yeah. experiences in stadiums and I always thought, just this is why they do it. It would be really cool to either at Foxborough Patriots, you know, where they play out of, or uh, Fenway. Fenway. Would be way be so cooler. Cool. I, so I don't cool. think there would be a cooler stadium in throwing the world. off the Green Monster or yeah. things like yeah, that. I would, would I would want to try to throw. I, I would want to try to throw over the Green Monster from yeah. home plate. Yeah, it would like, be, be epic. Sick. Can I just say one thing? Dude, can, you, you can say something. We could probably right. set something up at Polar Park, though. Yeah, we could. I've got some. Ooh, I've got idea. some connections there that you know might be able to let us get in. What do you got, Ben? Um, I caught a home run ball over the green monster. No, you did not. I did. Mets is something Castillo, maybe. I don't know. You literally caught yep. it like with a glove or bare hand. Bare. I didn't catch it. It like bounced up okay. and went into my hands. Were you on on Lansdowne Street or were you in like that parking garage area where there's always people? Or were you that? in the monster? Monster. Oh, you were oh, on the seats. On the seats. I had a friend oh, who was working. Okay. Sorry. And yes. It went straight to my hands. <laughs> That's so cool. No, that's my story. I do not have that experience. I think my brother growing up got like an arena football from down in <laughs> downtown. Like he got one, which you're not even really able to get there. It's all netted, but yeah. it like found a way. And I was like, that's the coolest thing. A game used ball. I don't but care. Who probably had to give it back though too, right? I think he might have. I think They're he might have got away with it. Yeah. Baseballs, they just, they hand them out like candy to anyone. But. Yeah. Buckets. So, okay. Everyone's like, that is the longest intro we've ever done. <laughs> but here's the deal. This show is going to be a little bit more like that. We still got a whole show lined up. We've got Yuli, but we don't have any, I don't want to say any, like big rules, violations, no spy gates or whatever you want to call them, right? We don't have that. We didn't have an event to talk about with like, hey, can you believe how it played out? We do have some A tiers. Nick talked about his. The Goat Hill we are going to address because it was a silver series. It's a good big event. There was some... There were some good name players there. Uh, I'll just say Alden Harris took it down, which we had him on. Ben, what did you say? It's the Nick and Matt show effect? Yeah, so basically Nick and Matt show effect. We had Alden Harris. We had Corey Ellis, um, and they have Nick been Carl. crushing it. Nick Carl is a regular. Nick Carl as well. He's a regular. <laughs> hey, Nick and Matt show, a big fan, Nick. You know, we're going to yeah, have people yeah, call thanks, in later. Thanks, thanks. Uh, so we are going to take live calls, by the way, for uh, Yuli. So if you're in the show live right now, maybe jot down a question or two you might have when we open up the phone lines, be ready to get in. You can talk to Paul Uliberry himself. Maybe this is the moment you've always been waiting for. Okay. So completely off yeah. topic. Off topic. But while it's on my head, okay. it's because at, at 7.30, the Celtics are going to start. And so I'm going to have a tap open that's literally just telling me the score because I'm obsessed with the Celtics. And I'm really, really hoping they win the series because... In a few weeks, I'll be coming over to Massachusetts, and I 100% if they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, will drop a few hundred Sports, bucks to go baby. watch it. Sports. Oh my god, yeah. Are we gonna talk about that goaltending no call? I don't want to talk about anything out of Game Three because I was so pissed off the next day. I actually, I actually didn't 
watch any of the highlights or any like the NBA TNT, you know, the stuff that Shaq does with a couple of the people. I didn't watch any of that because I knew it was going to frustrate me and I had to only think about my tournament. So I had to be in a good kind of like <laughs> mantra in a sense. And I knew that if I actually looked up Celtic stuff from seeing the goaltending, the mischarge, the miss shooting foul call after the free throw, yada, 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 yada. I knew I was just going to go ballistic and Nick. anyone in, you your phone you turned off the wi-fi on your phone you can stream it on your phone to set it off to the side <laughs> i don't have any streaming services for it actually right, I, uh, right. I don't have my right. my hulu i'll give you my watch ESPN login. yeah do it right now I, I Evan. live on air it's e-v-a-n <laughs> so yeah so normally when i'm like if i'm driving and you know, ESPN, when you go on ESPN, it'll actually let you listen to it. And so I can listen to the broadcasters. And so then I have a general idea of like how a play is going. Cause other times, like last week when I was at putting league, they were playing. And so I could go inside and watch for a few minutes, but then I would come back outside and I would look and it'd be like Grant Williams hit a 27 foot three pointer or like Giannis makes five foot jump shot or whatever. And so like, that's cool and all, but you could also watching a, it live is definitely the you best. You can also get an app that will play radio stations from all over the country. Yeah. You just got to get 98.5 Boston. I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's who does Celtics, right? I think so. WEI, but. So it's it's small here on screen and all the lights are reflecting, but look at live Celtics Bucks. I can stream it through here, Nick, so you can watch it in the rest of the world and watch it. Somehow hack into my phone <laughs> so that. You can just stream it well, to Nick, my phone. And people are probably super bored right now by what we're talking about, so I yeah, apologize. No, right. But we can do FaceTime, and you know how you can do the screen share now through FaceTime? There we go. <laughs> that might be illegal. Yeah, but, might, I don't yeah. know. It's Anyways, just in the background. We'll just put it up over my shoulder on the TV behind me. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk some disc golf. Yeah, so this is what I was going to say. We actually said Alden, then we got carried away with the Nick and Matt show effect. But tell us. What played out there? Alden and Owen took it down, but what else and what else were we missing? Yeah, uh, the 303 Open was another big one. Uh, that happens in Colorado. Um, I went to school in Colorado. 303 Open used to be at a course I would play a lot, although now it's in a newer course. I'm not exactly familiar hmm. with that. But Kyle Klein takes it down along with Rebecca Cox. Um, Kyle Klein notably has struggled in the first round of events all this year. He shoots a 1080 in the first round uh, and then goes on to win. Um, no Eagle McMahon. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but there were still a lot of good players in that event. I'm pretty sure Joel Freeman. Uh, I know Nathan mm-hmm. Queen was there. Um, Aaron Gossage. Joe Rivera. Been, uh, yeah, of course, if it's a Colorado event, Joe Rivera is there. Uh, so mm-hmm. a lot of great players in that field. Um, But I want to hop over to well, Europe. Right oh, before oh, you do that, right before Sorry. you do that, because – I was curious to ask this question. I just wanted to pull it up real quick as I scoot around for the winners, as you mentioned, Rebecca Cox. I just wanted to see her rating. And everyone, again, whether you like ratings or not, it gives you a, it gives you a fairly level ground for like what their skill set is. And my question is a 932 rating, and Nick, you can maybe elaborate on this more than even us. A 932 rating, she's probably winning most well, most local FPO tournaments. Like, she should win, like, a 932 FPO player. Yeah. And then yeah. you start getting regional, like your A-tier regional, and mm-hmm. she's probably in contention, right? I mean, that's what happened here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, if you look at the rest of it, Deanne Carey's rated eight, uh, 938, and Alex Benson is also rated 937. She's so, from Vermont up here. That's right. Neck of the woods. So, yeah, there's a few uh, 930s uh, in that field. 
Yeah, no, that's a good win. I'm, I'm happy for Rebecca because I always feel like her skill set, especially she came out, I think it was last year, Texas State, she had overhauled her throw. Remember that? And you're like, wow, it looks so good. I'm like, I expected her to really take off. Maybe it's one of those take some steps backwards, takes a while to get forward, but like good, good job yep. for her. And Kyle Klein, Joel Freeman has been playing really well. In fact, probably averaging better than Kyle Klein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. So for Kyle to get this win, that's at least a little bit of a, like a, I don't know what you want to call it, a little injection of something for him because I feel like the season for Kyle Klein has been decline. <laughs> Kyle decline. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Is that a fire? No, that's not a fire. Yeah. Team. All right. So anyways, you're moving over to Europe. Yeah. Well, one, it's, it's Europe day or it wouldn't be national Europe day. That wouldn't make sense. Um, there's some, some hashtag Europe day, something like that's okay. going on. Um, so we have to at least cover them for a little bit. Um, but, uh, the prodigy just pro tour, um, which I think is kind of the Finnish kind of national tour, just Finland events, but very good fields for, for Europe events. Some of the best of the year, uh, over there. Um, Christian who Oaksa takes it down in MPO and Heidi line. I, you're really sorry good, if I'm butchering any of these <laughs> names, try my best, uh, wins in an FPO. And actually, um, Christian Kuoksa is a six-digit PDGA number. We were talking about this last um, uh, episode. That's the first six-digit PDGA winner to take home a Prodigy Disc Pro Tour event, which, again, wow. is a very good European tour, uh, arguably better than the old Euro Tour. And now we have the new European Pro Tour over there that's going to contend with it. Um, but also, this was uh, the first event of the year for the Prodigy Disc Pro Tour. It was in Helsinki. Um from the past four years that Helsinki has been a Prodigy Disc Pro Tour event, there's been eight different winners for the two divisions combined. That's wild. I mean, um, you have players like yeah. Nicholas Antela, Vinyl Makala, Kristen Tatar, Hannah Blomrus, Evelina Salonen, mm-hmm. now Heidi Laine. Like, a lot of, like, all the Europeans you know have kind of won this event, but they've just, whatever it is, I don't know that the course is well there, but winners kind of change up each year. I wonder <laughs> if they'll have any coverage of that one. I would assume so, right? I they love European do. coverage. Yeah, it's it a, a weird hobby of mine. <laughs> it was on Disc Golf Stream, uh, which is like Europeans DGN, um, so subscription based. I think they do the first round free instead of final round free. Um, and then it was also on Post Produce. I forget what account it is, but I did see it on YouTube. Didn't watch it. Two things. One is you just said that they do it reverse, which is something that has been debated and argued with like the Disc Golf Network. Why do they do it? I think it. I would have defaulted to the way the Europeans are doing it right now, as you mentioned. The first round's free, and then it's not later. You got to pay for it. But man, the Disc Golf Network has been doing something right. Like their subscribers, I don't think they're like publicly announcing how many, but I don't think they're hiding it either. But it's up there. It's up in the thirty thousands plus. Yeah. So it's like it's grown a lot in the day. I've heard like, viewerships up a lot from last year. So so there's that, and then the other thing, just this little little tidbit. I don't know how many people when they heard you say Helsinki. If you ever watched the TV show Heist. Uh, it was like uh, trying to think how to explain it. It's it was a TV show with voiceover Spanish or whatever. Anyways, Helsinki. Those who watch the show will Money know. Money heist, right? Money heist. Thank you. Money heist. They'll be like, oh yeah, Matt, I get what you're thinking. Okay, now we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that we missed for events? We're getting close to well, bringing you, Leon, but he's not here yet. I'm gonna swing it back to uh, Nick's win. Just we were talking pre-show. Okay. This was yeah. your highest cash per throw of your career, Nick. You averaged $6.78 per throw. That beats your $6.40 per throw earlier this year at your B-tier win at the uh, Howling Gale Classic. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Um, 
then also i shared with these with this with you guys before the show elaine king took it down in fpo i don't know if we actually touched on that um at the loco open um that she, she has over 300 wins i think it was her 287th fpo win if i have that correct just in that division she's won an age perspective and many others um nick being the mpo winner of the same event that elaine king wins in fpo is the 119th person to do that um join the likes of, i don't have it in front of me the people i was naming uh but like dave felberg uh jeremy will shoestrick yeah nate yeah, sexton Ricky. they all have yep. exactly one win in mpo when elaine king wins an fpo so nick you are tied with those uh very notable people in our sport and i, I will say one person OGs. that's not on that list is paul uliberry so uh, when he joins later, you'll have at least one thing that you can say uh, you have over him. I've won this event. Guys. Yeah. Well, that is a lot of good information. I We're going to talk later about the schedule of the Disc Golf Pro Tour and maybe just disc golf, competitive disc golf in general. So I'm not going to really get into it now, but this was a week off, if you will. And it felt like a long time coming. Uh, at least for me, it did. And I mentioned that last week. It's like when you do these, two, I do two shows back to back on different nights and then the preparations for it feels just non-stop. And then you're trying to watch it and get coverage updates. And it's a lot. As you know, it's that Mando. Mm -hmm. Like you're not off the clock during every round. You're on the clock. So you get it. Exactly. So let's talk about this. One of the products that we have been enjoying very much of the Nick and Matt show is called DG Max Wax. Oh, the smell. I can every time I just oh, take smell. I literally just smell it every single time. It is an awesome smell of uh citronella. Uh cit what are they? Let me see. I forget what they call it here. It says citradelic. It's a blend of pure essential oils designed to elevate your mood. Oh, that no wonder I'm feeling so good down here. Yeah, okay. It, it's a blend to help you and calm and focus you on the course. This product is an official PDGA Mini you can use, and while you're grabbing it from your bag, it gives you just the right amount of enhancement for your grip. Nick, I find I do not use it on every throw because I don't need to, mm -hmm. because it lasts and it doesn't make it sticky. Have either of you guys been enjoying this product or anybody in the room speak or forever? No, I'm kidding. Say what you think about it. Uh, DG Max Wax is an amazing product and believe it or not i gained like 10 feet on my on my throw as soon i do as not I put doubt it, on. it i do not doubt it it's just, it just seamless it, if you want that snap that why, audible why is snap, that yeah but no i was just gonna say why did you throw further do you you actually feel like yeah. you're able to literally throw it harder i can grip it a little better even even with a whale sack the whale sack sometimes doesn't do the job it dries your hands which is yes. fine they're different products, drying your hands and enhancing your grip. Exactly. So DG sometimes you need a little more of that. Do I have the right, the right stick here? Snap stick? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. This is the one I keep in my pocket, okay? This is the one that we like to show on the show. It is filled with the same product. There you go. Nice focus. Same product called Snap Stick. It is an awesome product. Go out and get it. Uh, visit DGMaxWax.com. You get percentage off. Go visit your pro shops. Tell them if they don't have it, that they should have it. You want that product. Uh, be sure to let them know you heard on the Nick and Matt show. All right. We are excited to make it to this point in the show. We've been waiting the past 30 minutes patiently. No, I'm kidding. We lined him up for 730. We're glad he's arrived just in time. 
uh, we would like to talk and get to know what's going on with Paul Uliberry. Let's welcome him to the show, everybody. Paul Uliberry, how's it going, man? Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. What up, guys? It's good. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, I know. Can. It's always the awkward, like, hi, am I just talking? I'll just get it out of the way. <laughs> oh, my mouth's moving. Can you hear? Yes, we yeah. could hear you, and we appreciate the fact that you're all set up and ready to go. So tell us. We saw a social gram. A social gram. This is, I feel like I'm dating myself, social gram, Insta book, and all that <laughs> stuff. We saw Instagram post, and uh, it said that, hey, I mean, you can walk us through it. You're, you're taking some time off, but like, kind of just give us that, get it out of the way here in the first part of this interview. What, what's going on with you? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate Ooh. Nick Carl on an amazing win this weekend, man. Proud of you, buddy. That was awesome. I followed the live scoring on Ooh. Sunday, obviously, because I knew it was a big day for you. Thank you, man. And uh, Andrew Fish was breathing down your neck, but you held him off, and that's a tough competitor to hold yeah. off, so. Andrew Fish want... hit a 60-footer on the first hole, and I was like, damn it, it's going to be one of those days, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, no, just fortunately, it, it went my way, so thank you. Perfect. Yeah, congratulations. Now, wow. um... how, many, how many people, Nick, and I say, there's probably a lot. Paul, you probably watch a lot of live scores, but maybe if you want to make Nick feel well or good about himself, you'd be like, I don't do that often, Nick. But I don't think you've ever watched my live scoring, and I'm not complaining, but that's a special <laughs> moment. I feel like that. I feel like that's a good time. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So yeah, tell us about yourself. Where are you at right now? So I'm back home. Um, I don't know much, honestly. I know that uh, the first part of this season and the end of last season, I've been dealing with a shoulder slash arm injury that's been uh, kind of nagging at me for years and years, and I feel like it's just steadily gotten worse. And so. I mean, I think it was from about Ledgestone last year until now. It just it just hasn't been good. I, I felt like my arm, my grip pressure, touch, everything was like just not there. And I was I had no control. I mean, there was days where I had bit more control than others, just like any injury, but it just steadily started getting worse over the last couple weeks, especially on the big courses that we played, going from mm -hmm. Jonesboro, you know, to DDO and you're just throwing as hard as you can every time I, I felt like there was a time during the first round where I threw a shot and I felt like my shoulder was like not gonna hold up you know for the first time ever like normally it's just sore and I'm just like okay whatever and this time it felt like every time I threw it I felt like a, tw a twangy little something in there that I was like ah is my shoulder like legitimately just gonna fall off like that was a, a literal thought that I that I thought like it, like it feels like it feels loose or like it's like because I I've I don't know like how would you describe it yeah almost like like I just didn't have stability in there um and it's it's not like the shoulder itself it's like the back part when you're pulling through it just it it didn't feel wow. right wow I started at the beginning of this year I've gone through some tendon issues with like I had a torn tendon sheath that the doctor said could have been because of the shoulder and a couple different things. And so I've just been battling these crazy injuries. And then after this shoulder thing, you know, I really feel like I kind of spotted like the real problem, which is the shoulder. A lot of tendon injuries come from the back side of the shoulder and the rotator cuff pinching down on some of those things. And those go all the way to your hand. And I mean, there was times this year, where I'd reach to grab a mini and I, it would feel like something was like being electrocuted down my whole arm. Oh, 
and that's like you know bad tendon tendon stuff and it turned into like a carpal tunnel in a certain part of my hand to where like there was one part of the season where last year where I could push like between my thumb and my and my pointer finger and it would just feel like it was just a non-stop shock <laughs> like it was crazy but I mean I I was just like all right well I guess this is what I have to deal with now and I feel like that's a bad habit that a lot of us get into as professional disc golfers, especially I've had insurance for a long time, but that, you know, that takes effort to like go check stuff out and take time off. And I really wish I was better at that than I am. <laughs> and I feel like it finally got kind of caught up to, to me. That, I was just about to say, so oh now that goodness. you're, you're in the position to, you know, get all these things checked out, are you actively, you know, doing that right now? What are, what are you doing to kind of rehabilitate it in a sense? Yeah. So I have a really great acupuncture therapist around here. Um, my girlfriend actually works for, for him and she has for a long time and he's like the best in Charlotte. So he, he takes care of like when Cam Newton was with the Panthers and um, a few other really good athletes, he would take care of all of them. So I've been lucky enough to have that. And he actually healed my tendon sheath very quick, like very, very fast to where I was finally throwing sidearms again because till jonesboro i didn't throw any the whole year like none yeah, which if you know my game and at any any at all like that's my whole game inside 250 feet like i throw that for every shot mm -hmm. um but anyway so i've been going to him a couple times a week and i actually have a, a appointment on wednesday with a with a doctor who's going to give me mri full evaluation of the shoulder and tell me exactly what's going on instead of just having a billion opinions from a bunch of different people. Like I saw, you know, Seth and he has an, Seth Muncy has an idea of what may be going on. I saw another guy and he has kind of an idea and it's like a bunch of like, well, it could be this or it could be that. And I'm just over the speculation, you know, I want to pinpoint it, get it taken care of because it's just not fun for me to go out there and get last place every time, you know, and that's not me. Well, and I know it's like not, you know, my people, I've been like uh, telling me that, you know, you need to just like, you know, take some rest time or blah, blah, blah. And if you know me, like, no, I don't <laughs> like, there's something yeah. legitimately wrong with my arm. Yeah. And I keep that to myself, you know, like, I, like I said, I've been dealing with this since Ledgestone and I just don't tell people because I feel like there's enough of that going around of people being like, Oh, I'm hurt. And, you know, I've always been under the impression that if you're a professional athlete and you do it every single week, you're something's hurt. Mm -hmm like something's just hurt. You have to play with an injury no matter who you are in any sport. Like nobody just, it's very rare that a pro athlete plays a weekend with whatever their craft is and they're perfectly healthy. And that's mm. why like you see a lot of the sports casters and stuff They're you know, they're always questioning health in every single, you know, debate that you'll ever, well, if he stays healthy, mm -hmm. you know, because there's always nagging injuries and everything and golf and this and that. Yeah, And so definitely. knowing that I feel like might've cost me because I'm like, well, this is just what happens to where I, I should be getting it looked at a little more. Yeah. And I, I take responsibility for that and, you know, I'm trying to work through it now. Yeah. And that's kind of what, and I don't, we don't always go to the chat. Yes, we do. <laughs> the chat, the chat's going like, oh man, it's hard to watch. Like he was playing like, you know, um, 
the practice rounds. Like, but if he's saying he's been hurt, why is he doing it? But you just answered all of those questions there. I mean, you're not, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think most athletes have something they're playing through typically. Um, but, yeah. but do you have any feeling of, well, no, it's I, I, hindsight's 2020. You're pretty happy right now with your decision in the way it played out this year, or, or would you make yeah. changes? Yeah, I mean, like I said, for like ten years I've been playing with an injury. Yeah, like if it's not a new thing for me. And the good thing about it is, you know, my seventy-five, eighty percent is pretty good disc golf, hey. and my hundred percent disc golf. You know, athletes rarely get to see that. I mean, we look at Ricky and Paul; they're always going through injuries. Eagle, like people go through injuries. You know, but when you're at this level, like you don't have to talk about it every single weekend or this or that. Right. I mean, you know, Ricky has the Lyme disease. Okay. And Yuli just froze up. I'm sure he'll make it back, but he's froze up. Um, actually, he just dropped out. So I'm going to ask a follow up question when he comes back on, Nick. And the question is going to yeah. relate to he's been around the sport for a long time. Like he's been in it since he was a teenager, like Paul Macbeth, like young, like for a long time, I'm going to ask him if he feels like injuries are more prevalent today than they are, than they were back then. And if so, like, does he remember people announcing injuries, playing through injuries? Um, I think the journey today is just more strenuous this. We're going to talk about the schedule again later. Yeah. A number of events, but also like types of courses, which you might've been getting at um, as Yuli was saying, like throwing hard at DDO and Jonesboro, like took a toll. Um, it could be conversation where, you know, the courses were trying to get the best of the players and really push them, but maybe they're getting pushed too far. And, and I don't I think, know if he, he's saying he pushes himself too far, but that's what athletes do. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, every sport, every sport is different because, you know, we'll say, Hey, the schedule's really, really busy right now. And then we'll, someone will say, okay, we'll look at pro MLB players or look at basketball players who are doing back-to-backs, look at NHL hockey players. Every single sport has their own strain. Um, but I also think in every single other sport, those athletes are trained way better, exponentially better than any disc golfer is currently right now. And well, so you in, have yeah. you have a certain amount of disc golfers right now who are finally getting into that really active lifestyle. They're lifting weights. But it's funny. I actually saw a tweet where someone was like, man, disc golfers really hate to hear this. But, you know, so many of them lack that kind of. um like strength and conditioning aspect. And he had tweeted, said my high school baseball team does more strength and conditioning than 99% of the disc golfers out there. And to be honest, I mean, that's a very large group of players still to this day are, you know, you travel on Sunday night or Monday morning, you get into town Monday night or Tuesday morning, you play practice rounds. You have the Ezra's who are out there going to the gym. They post about it a lot. So you can kind of tell, okay, they are very active, but then you have a lot of players who, They'll work out during the off season, but when the when the actual season comes about, they don't keep up with that work, kind of like workout regimen. And so it, I think it's really tough disc golfer wise, and that's not because fully on the scheduling that's going on. I think it also has to do with the disc golfer themselves, to where their bodies just aren't used to all the strenuous kind of like things that are happening in but, disc golf but nowadays, nick with how busy they are you're bringing up like major leagues you're bringing up nba all that stuff the, the professionals mm-hmm. of these top four sports do you think that like a pitcher he has a minor injury are there times where they play through the minor injuries evan or are they like no we're gonna give you time off because we want you to be 100 percent. like how does that work 
I, I think it depends on part of the season. I think at this point in the season, it's just you're you're gonna get benched, like not in a bad way. I mean, that's yeah. the game yeah. I went to, the original starting pitcher, like literally got put on the um injured list like an hour or two before the game. Uh he just had some uncomfortableness, I don't even know what to say, in his right side. And they're just like, Yeah, we're gonna put you on the 10 day injured list. That's okay. But then you get towards the end of the season and then you really gotta push it because it's playoffs. You might want to play through it. I mean We'll go to football for a second. Baker Mayfield should have had shoulder surgery. That's hard to say. Uh, played through it, and now he's dealing with the struggles where often if it's earlier in the year, they might sit a guy for a couple weeks. But this is where I'm, I'm kind of – I'm trying to figure out and take this journey down this question because how do, how do they know to get benched in the MLB? Are they telling on themselves? And I say that in a facetious way. Are they like, hey, you know, I've got a little sore shoulder here? Or is it – they have coaches, they have, you know, physical people who are attending to them in every way. And they're going, Hey, you need to be honest with me and tell me what's a scale of one to 10. What does this feel like? And they're I, like a two and they're like, yeah, you're benched. Like, is that how it works? You think? I think it's the player just self-reporting wow. what's going on, but not saying, Hey, I'm going to sit because my yeah. ankle is just a little reporting. bit funny. It's just like, Hey, my ankle's a little bit funny. They'll check into it. You know, what's the pain level? They'll let somebody yeah, else decide. The, the athletic, if somebody else decides. Yeah, the athletic trainers and team, are, you know, know what you can push and what you can't. And then the coaches can kind of decide how important that player is after the athletic trainers give the okay but, to go. But we're talking so, so much money that the difference is these, these uh, sports owners and all that are like, yeah, like we aren't going to mess around with that. They're, it depends on the time of year. Like it, it, disc golf equivalent you're coming into usdgc like your ankles bothering you like sorry you're gonna play i think paul uleberry would play through that injury and too, he's back right before usdgc um, <laughs> yeah, that's back. a good question for him let's let's bring him in so okay he's back uh computer decided to update uh ben you got him there he is all right perfect can, can we hear you again <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. For our, I, I knew he was going to do that. I just said, I was like, he totally just lift that. For our audio listeners, he just moved his lips. It was, it was really scary. So <laughs> the question I was going to ask you right before your computer, you know, got people said Ricky's agents got to you. Yeah. Anyways, your computer logged you out. We're back. The question I was going to ask, and we talked about it while you were away. Okay. Um, is... Why am I having a brain freeze? What was the question? It was related to um, MLB players. Well, it was yeah, like playing through and yeah. through with the courses, working out, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I actually had a brain freeze. Everybody, that's how it works on the Nick well, and Matt. Let me finish. I'll finish yeah, my ahead. thought because I was talking go. about how we just don't know. I can't believe who's it. injured. You know, like I feel like every single person's injured, and and you can go down the list. How severe is it? I think that's what makes like honestly really good players great is playing through injury at a high level and i feel like i know a lot of people who kind of don't play through injuries at all and through my career with my experience it's like i i'm not so sure that's the best like you there's stories of kobe bryant playing with broken fingers and broken elbows and torn this and torn that and you know walking up and shooting a free throw with a his ankle falling off or his Achilles tendon. I mean, that's just part of the sports. Right. And I feel like con with them, it's a lot different too. You got to think because they're million dollar athletes, you know, yes. like millions upon millions. And obviously we're getting there and my sponsors definitely are. are, paying are we, I was going to say, are we getting there? Yuli? Are we? 
<laughs> they don't want me, you know, hurt, of course, yeah. but at the same time, it's up to us. And yeah. I want to get out there and, and compete, period. And like I said before, I believe my 70% is better than a, is really good disc golf. Well, you're not, well, besides the DNF, I mean, you weren't actually getting last place. So that is pretty good. You're on tour and no, stop. We're not even going down this road, buddy. <laughs> I've missed, I've missed, uh, I've DNF three times ever. And this, and the last time it was because I tore my ACL on the course. So yeah, like yeah. this isn't a normal thing. No, and as no, far no. as, as far as missing cash, I bet you I have under 10 in my career and I've missed four in a row. And so this isn't something that, I mean, if people want to, that's your job, go down and debate or blah, 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 blah. But this isn't Paul Uberry golf. And I, I refuse to even let that into my brain as being a reality. I appreciate that. And this is uh, what people like about you. So I remember what the question was. It was, you've been around the sport for a while. You started playing when you were a kid. You've seen a lot of things. Do you feel like, and I've been maybe watching disc golf for 15 years. Do you feel like that injuries are happening at a much higher rate or is it that more players are playing at a higher level so more injuries are happening you know what i mean like is it happening at a, it's higher, happening rate? At a higher rate i okay. mean i mean part of it is we're going to push our bodies to the absolute limits by ourselves right now and so we were talking about trainers and stuff being involved in professional sports and they know how to build a body to take that type of athletic movement we don't have that mm -hmm. like we just don't use, you, you see like Eagle, the way he threw sidearms, like, the, I don't know. Like, have you seen pictures of it? Yeah. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that was going against everything your body wants to do. And I'm not saying that's why it happened or whatever. And that's, and that's awful. But what I'm saying are, is we never seen anybody throw it like that. And now we're seeing more and more elbow injuries because a lot of these courses you have to have a 450 foot sidearm in order to compete at that level. Like you have to, you, you hear Paul talk about all the time. Like I'm stoked. I gained 50 feet on my sidearm because you have to have it at the level that we're playing on. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have trainers. And so when we're throwing as hard as baseball players are throwing, those guys get rest for five days. We don't, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Well, like they get yeah. a max, a max pitch count of like, okay, this is what you get. And then you're done. We so, don't. So talk about that because you just brought up not getting the break. We, we have that as a topic tonight, probably after you're off, but, but give us your thoughts on it. You had, I think it was somewhere in the round of the range of like 11 rounds and 17 days or something crazy. I feel like for the disc golf pro tour recently, um, you took some time off recently here, but I mean, yeah. do you feel like the schedule is way too packed? Like, what are your thoughts? No, I don't, because we have the choice to where we don't have to play if we don't want to play. Period. Yeah, now, perfect. I do think, I do believe this. I believe that there's a lot of pressure for us to get points to play in the finale, which is our biggest payday of the year. Mm -hmm. And so we all want to play as much as possible. I think that pressure is too much. And I think that the season can't have that many tournaments just for there has to be a different point system to where people can get in and then the people who play every weekend like that's the way that it's stacked it's tough 
because it forces you to play so much. <laughs> it really does. Mm -hmm. You know, if you win a tournament, sure, you're in. But I also feel like it, you should really get rewarded on a higher scale for a top 15 finish type thing than, than you do. Like you, you get, you, if you play, let's say you play every single weekend, right. Mm -hmm. For the whole tour I got, and I know this cause this is how many, I think I have seven or 10 points for the season. And that's because of Las Vegas, which I mm. think I got like, let's say I got 27. Mm -hmm. So I ate seven, seven, and then seven times 10 tournaments at 70 points. I'm not making the final. That's pretty good disc golf, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like. So what if I get that place for every tournament, which is 16, 160 points, 170 points? Is that enough to get in? No. Mm -hmm. And that's good disc golf, which means if somebody's going to grind that hard and play that good of disc golf, they should be in. Yeah. But that's not the case. You know, you know what I mean? And of course there's more players playing and blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. There's gotta be a better way because there, I mean, the tour is going to destroy our bodies for sure. I, but again, like I said, it doesn't matter because you have the choice not to play. And so I don't mind that there is so, there's so much, but it just is, it's a, right now it's a tough thing because our biggest payout of the year is something we all want to get to, to get on the ESPN and do all this stuff a lot of pressure to get on that bad boy now and then you see players like chris dickerson and arguably now he could be the best that we have currently he could be that's a debate for people but he's able to make these choices in an easier format compared to what you're saying he's able to make his choice hey i'm not going to play the west coast because realistically in his mind he's going i'm probably going to lock up a, a first round buy in the finale like but not everybody's there to your point. And so you have the choice not to, but it's a hard choice to make. So I, I loved your answer. We asked uh, Calvin that last week. He gave his own answer. Yeah. But uh, Nick, what do you got? Well, I think what I was just about to say, too, is, you know, let's look at the players like the Chris Dickerson, the Ricky and the Paul McBeth right now who have some pro tour wins. They, you know, Chris has a major, obviously. They have the luxury of being able to take time off when it comes to elite series events. And not that, you know, Paul and Ricky play pretty much play every single elite series event out there for the most part, they may take one off here and there. Do you think disc golf is going to get to a point where like, let's say you're the number one player in the world. Are you going to take off a couple of elite series events to let your body heal? Or are you in the mindset of, I just want to go out and win every single tournament. And so you don't allow your body to do that. Um, I, I think it's like anything. Some people are let are racehorses and they can play every single weekend and it doesn't bother them. Some people need time off and, and the older you get, <laughs> the more time off you need and you see that with every sport it's not father time wins every 100 percent of the time every time yeah. scott so, stokely's pretty dang impressive man but yeah I, you're making a valid point yes you're making right and point. so so let's we'll talk about scott we got one guy out of how many <laughs> golfers to ever play yeah. yeah we can't all expect to be like that no. you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's like that's like Cal Ripken. There was one of them. Nobody's ever going to come close to that record ever. It just won't happen. Yeah. And Stokely took what ten or so years off too. So like yeah, he talk said, about this, a nice break. Yeah, he said this himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah no kidding. You know, he might be fifty whatever years old. Like he really has a body of a four year a four year old because he didn't have all that. Uh, uh, oh, I, I see say? what you're saying. All that time throwing on it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's rested up well, as you said. That's funny. I think a big part of it, honestly, I think that a few of a few people, and I'm going to say us because that's the path that I'm going to be going down, are going to be taking care of our bodies more than other people. Um, and I think that needs to be the trend right now on the tour because you're going to see more and more injuries. Um, you know, I love to use Ricky and Paul as, as that type of person because they've consistently kind of done it. I don't know Paul's exactly, but I'm pretty close to Ricky. So I know that, dude, that guy, he doesn't put a bad thing in his body. He does ice baths like twice a day. Like this guy's on another level as far as the sport goes. And I think that's going to help him play well into however long he wants to play for, because that's just the nature of sports. And with how much people are playing, it's nice to have Seth there, but it's also what you put in your body, the nutritional part, everything. As the money grows, we're going to find more and more people doing that. And I encourage the, you know, the younger generation who's touring right now to, to really think about that and invest in your body, because that's the biggest thing you can do. I've done it off and on for years i've taken years off where i've just been kind of like you know lazy bum but i've also had years where like i didn't put a carb in my body alcohol caffeine nothing and at the time it was a big edge because not one person would do that Mm -hmm. and we're going to see that change yeah so i think one of the things you kind of just brought this up and made me think about it is that you know, currently with the way that the tour is right now, how jam-packed it is with Elite Series events, Silver Series events, majors all mixed in, and then your, you know, big A tiers like the Thera Thera Open, Goat Hill was a USCGC qualifier event. You do have that younger generation of disc golfers, like let's take Kyle Klein, who won the Thera Thera Open, and Alden Harris, who won the uh, Goat Hill Championships, to where right now in disc golf, we don't have all those trainers that we need. We mm-hmm. don't have the nutrition plans that players should be going by. Um you know, I could say 99% of the disc golfers right now aren't taking care of their body. I would say exactly how it should be taken care of as a professional athlete. And so you have that younger generation of disc golfers. And I almost think that with how jam-packed the tour is right now and how important it is to get out to every single one of these events, if you want to make it into the final 32, you know, it's almost going to kill their bodies more than like, it could almost shorten their careers. I think personally, than them having a lengthy, long career and being the best players that they can be. Just because right now you do have the weekend warriors who are literally the second the tournament ends, they're driving 10 mm-hmm. hours to the next one. And I think that, you know, we've, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks now to where how busy the schedule is. You know, I think in the long run, in the next three years, like we are going to see, we're, we're seeing more injuries now in the last two years than we, you know, I guess, a lot of players are secretive about it, but I guess now that players are a little bit more open, we've seen more injuries in the last two years and like bigger injuries, not just, you know, Oh, you know, I hurt my pinky. We've got people tearing their shoulders. We got people hurting their forearms, their elbows. And I think, I mean, that just comes from overuse. Players are playing, you know, six days a week at this point, multiple rounds a day. (laughs) I don't know. I just think that with how heavy, like you were talking about earlier with how heavy, all these points percentages are to get into that final event. I think we're just almost promoting bad habits. But, and when you're, and, when you're young, you can do it. Like yeah. I, I played 40 events per year for a decade. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't feel bad for these kids at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but, you but know, at the same time, we want to be kind of promoting that better athletic lifestyle in a sense. Course. I mean, I, I guess, I guess that's kind of how I look at it. And I know you're, you're a golf enthusiast, right? Like you enjoy watching golf, you play, from what I've heard, you're very good at it. How do the golf tournaments work? I know there's that big one every single year. It's kind of based off, is it the FedEx Cup? 
mm-hmm. where after throughout the year, it depends on your tour points. Like, is that every single major or I, I don't know how their tours work hundred percent, but like, yeah, you get for the FedEx points, you get a certain amount for any P, PGA standing to where it works just pretty much like ours. Okay. Gotcha. The difference that's, that's is, what I was curious, is so. if you win one of those, if you win one, you're pretty much almost guaranteed to get in as long you're as you right. play like five tournaments, you know, cause it, there's so, mm-hmm. there's so many people yeah. that all, and, and the movement with the people is so crazy. Like not one guy's winning every time or getting top 10 every time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you win one, like you have so many points, if you win, <laughs> basically, if you win three, you're an automatic. Mm-hmm. Well, who's the dude who just won the masters? Who's got like a bunch of wins. What's his last name? Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, I was thinking Steve for some reason, but he's got to be <laughs> yeah, he has on four top wins of the leaderboard in points wise. Four wins. Yeah, yeah, he has twenty seven hundred points. The next guy has fifteen hundred. Oh wow! <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. he could probably coast his way into the FedEx Cup. Yeah. yeah, and also the the point distribution, as Paul was getting at, um, the winner takes home essentially. Uh, I think it's five hundred points, but um, we use the same thing in the Statmando rankings: is a hundred points for the winner. And then the second place only gets 65 and then third place gets, I think 30, something like that. So pretty much if you win, you just get so many more points with the disc golf pro tour. I think it's a hundred points for first place, 85 for second, like 80 or 75 for third. So just placing pretty well, it, it's, it's kind of all chunked together where if you're coming right. top five every week, it's good. But if you win, it doesn't guarantee you anything. Right. All right. Well, I think we've kind of yeah, hold we've on a second. We're just going to open up the phone go. lines. We're not actually taking. Okay. We're, we'll take calls if they call in, but I want to get the lines open. So if we have any questions, we can get that going. Okay. But Nick, go ahead. Sorry, cutting you off. So we were just saying, you know, Paul, you are a golf enthusiast. You know about it. Um, what is something that is in golf currently that's not in disc golf that you would like? Like, what's a change to disc golf that you'd like to see? I guess it doesn't really need to be golf related, but like, is there anything that just pops out of like this is what we should be doing? I mean, it's as far as athletes go, I mean, it's really, it's really, really simple. Yeah. You get money and you can take care of yourself way better. Mm-hmm. Money's the key to everything in this, in this thing. You, you talk about like LeBron James puts a million dollars into his body per year. Mm-hmm. The guy has a million dollars to put in his body per year. Our disc golfers do not. Yeah. And the people who have the most money in disc golf are pretty much taking care of their body better than the next person just because it's easier for them to do so. Now you have outliers like Ezra, for example, but that's his entire life. I mean, if you, I I toured with him and he was in the gym every day, the guy just eats beans. I mean, if you want to take it to that level, that's a lot of sacrifice. It is, you know? Yeah. yeah. And there's, he, he only has himself to be accountable. When you have money, you hire people. And then, they keep you accountable. But yeah. when it's just you, it's so easy to be like, ah, I don't feel like doing it today. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like some of some disc golfers are the best, best athletes as far as the goats are the best athletes that I've ever seen in my life because they don't have those trainers and those coaches being like, all right, you got to do another lap. Like it's just you. Yes. And I want to, co- I want to come back to that because that's actually, but we have a caller lined up and I'm going to come back to that in a second. Let's get this call in here. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. You got a question for Paul? Go ahead. Uh, this is Jason from Rock Hill. I know that Paul just moved to Rock Hill. I wanted to say welcome to the neighborhood. And how does he like living in South Carolina? 
Oh man, appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate the welcome. I love it. I absolutely love it. I got a, you know, a house right here in Rock Hill and super comfortable. I mean, everything's a short distance away wherever I need to go. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Awesome. Thank you for the Good call. Deal. Did you have a follow-up or is that it? Okay, that was it. <laughs> Hanging up. We hung up on him, by the, to be clear. He didn't hang up on us. No. Um, so getting back to that train of thought, while we may or may not get other calls, is you're talking about more money makes it easier. I think generally that's accurate. That's the whole concept of people that have, it seems like, eating healthy cost more money. I mean, all this stuff, like taking care of everything seems to take oh, yeah. more to do it. And it could just, it could just be more dedication. I mean, we could grow our own plants. I mean, there's someone's going to come up with an excuse for every reason why we should be able to do it easier. But I want to bring it down this, this path here, because I feel like you did a show recently. It was a multi-series show, right? What was it called again? The, uh, the, what was it? Scratch the scratch. There it is. Scratch the scratch. And you were educating and training and coaching and helping somebody get better. Personally, I feel like we're just about at this place in the sport where everybody should be looking for a Paul Uliberry. And I mean that in a serious way. Like you should get, you're talking about as you get older, it gets tougher, right? Uh, I feel like, and I'm not calling you old, <laughs> but I feel like oh, if, I if if we could start transitioning into these roles where you're like, Hey, I'll coach full-time pay me full-time. I will be your personal coach. Hey buddy, did you get out and practice this? Did you ice? Did you do that? Like get paid to do that? Does our sport need that? Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, I've been saying that for years and I've been working in my career to, you kind of hit it, the nail on the head. Is that something that I want to do? I want to be a professional swing coach. And that's part of the reason why I started my institute and my foundation to help like um, college kids is because I'm passionate about that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we don't have that, you know, and if I had a me when I was 16 years old, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Like who knows how good I would have. In all seriousness. I mean, I'm amped up. I've got a 12 year old who loves playing disc golf and he's pretty good for his age. And I could try to coach him and you know, the dad son relationships a little funky, but like how much, off the top of your head and i'm not asking per lesson like how much are we talking for like somebody to like do that for somebody like coach somebody they might not travel on the road with them but that's their responsibility i mean are we talking like you're like hey i would do that for 40 grand like for one individual i'd do it for three individuals make 120 a year i mean like what are we talking right now is it a reality that could happen in disc golf i i i 100 think so i don't know what that what that would look like but you're probably pretty close to a number because and it depends on on the situation of that person where they're at in their life what kind of person you're coaching mm -hmm. i think that coaches coach quite a few people i don't think it's a, a crazy amount so that they have time with them but you know three four students a year or something like that you should be minimum getting that much money because that's what it is i'll tell you this with the knowledge that I know, I went out and my and I started playing left-handed. My left hand is, I can't do anything with it, right? And I taught myself how to play left-handed to where now I can, I can compete like probably at an intermediate level in a couple weeks. Because I understand, and I'm actually doing a series about it right now on my YouTube channel, which you can watch. Uh, it'll be out in a couple of weeks about like, how fast can I get good at 
throwing lefty. Okay. But with that type of information that I have, it's easy to teach my left hand that. Now, if I had, now let's say if I wanted to learn how to golf left-handed, like regular golf, I'm going to be the worst. Mm-hmm. But if I had a professional swing coach come help me, I'd probably get a lot better, a lot faster, right? Mm-hmm. Billion percent. Hmm. I think that the sport is like at a point where there's a lot of people, and I know they're out there right now listening to where like, this guy's lost his mind, 40,000 to no. coach a kid. No. no, I haven't lost my mind. That's no. 100% where, where it's going to go. Yeah. Because guess what? That $40,000 investment over three years with your kid, imagine if he goes and wins a pro tour and gets signed to a four-year, $4 million contract. That's a tiny investment. Yes. And that's what guys do all the time. And I want to say... That, yeah, I, I want to say, sorry to cut you off there. We have another caller lined up, but I want to say like even the players, and I'm going to throw a name out. You don't have to react to it, but even a player like Kyle Klein, or I'm going to go all the way up to top five player. I mean, Cal, Calvin, I'm here, here I am picking on Calvin. Everyone knows the show I do that. If you were there, his personal coach, he's going to benefit hands down. It doesn't matter who you are. If you have a coach looking at you and providing you feedback, it's worth it. Let's go ahead and take this other call so he doesn't have to sit there all day. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. You got a call or a question, uh, uh, an opinion or a question for Paul? Uh, I got a question. Um, well, not a question. I'm, I was uh, going to ask Paul. I'm coming out there for vacation next week, and I know he's played quite a few courses at Renner. Uh, just wondering what the best, like, top three is for an average player. Okay, average player disc golf courses in your area. This is, uh, give us your opinion. Uh, my favorite place to play for an average an average core or average player, it, you got to go with Kilbourne Park. It's pretty close to another round disc golf too, so you can drop by the shop if you drink beer, have a beer, grab a couple discs, and I think it's like two miles from there. And that course is phenomenal. Super fun, wooded. You get the whole um, Carolina experience. Cool. That works. We'll see you next weekend. Oh, Love it. we'll see you next weekend. Also appreciate the call. Uh, there, there actually was kind of a question from Matt May in chat. Um, he says, can you ask Paul, what is it going to take to get non-disc golf sponsorships to grow at a significant level? And can these modern day contract values continue if we don't get outside money involved? So pretty much a question that we've probably asked a hundred times throughout this show is like, what is going to be that next big outside sponsorship and how can that continue to grow? I mean, that's simple. It's got to be on ESPN or TV or ABC or something like that. Like it's at the point to where, yes, the network's going to grow. I feel like there's a cap there, you know, and I feel like in order to get to that mainstream, you have to be mainstream and that's, and that's ESPN and ABC and, and things like that. And so once that happens, then yes, the money will start flowing uh, of course. And as far as the other thing, I think, yeah, of course, the the contracts are going to remain the same as long as the disc craft or the um, disc, well, disc craft or Innova or anybody can keep manufacturing enough discs because you guys are buying them. Mm-hmm. And so that's not going to go anywhere either. I can speak for myself that I don't really, I'm not going to make money if my disc doesn't sell. Luckily it sells. As soon as that doesn't happen, then, you know, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. But if, Ricky's signing a $4 million contract. Paul's signing a $10 million contract. You think that they're getting the better end of that deal? There's no way. That'd be a bad business move. All right. 
overthrow disc golf don't know if you've heard them we're giving them a free shout out we've we've had them on the show once before they do a lot of this coaching that we're talking about we actually had this topic when they were on the show we talked about it they just left a comment in the chat that said kids trying to make it in tennis this is specifically their field where they came from as a coach Kids trying to make it in tennis are looking at about $100,000 a year expenditures between lessons, tournaments, gyms, personal trainers, etc. And then there was a follow-up comment from somebody, Daniel from Texas. That's wild. It's definitely a rich person sport. And what I want to say is the sport itself is not a rich person sport. And disc golf will never change from that either. Disc golf is always going to be accessible. Always. But when we're talking about the money coming into the sport and you want to win a $10 million contract or you want to win a tournament that eventually is paying out half a million dollars, you're going to have to invest, as you said, Paul, right? You're going to have to invest that small percentage to be able to accomplish that, to get that edge. So I, I appreciate the chat that's going on out there right now. Yeah. And, and, and so before that, you got to think, okay, so there was never any money in the sport. So therefore it was like a poor man's sport. no. That's not true because the people who are putting in time, you got to think time is everything. Time is the most valuable commodity that any person has, period. And so if I'm putting that much time and I do everything by time now, everything, if somebody wants a lesson, my time is this, is this much because I've learned through my career and this will sound cocky or whatever, but it's the truth that if I put all my time to one thing, I'll be great at it which means that time is insanely valuable. And it, the value that I put on it is how much that's worth. Because there's, you can't, you're not gonna be able to find 20 people who's put more time than me into disc golf. You just are not gonna do it. Therefore, I've reached something that now that time is value from then on until forever. Everybody's doing that. And so when you think about the people before, they were putting in the time to get paid now. You get what I mean? Like all that time put in to be whatever, they would be getting paid as much back then as they are now. Just It's just different eras. Time is everything. Yeah, we have another caller lined up. Let's see if we can get another course review question in here. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not setting them up. I'm not making fun. I don't know. We didn't screen this call, uh, which is, you know, we're, we're risking it. We're playing with fire here. Let's see how it goes. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. You got a question or opinion for Paul? Yeah, so I, I'm going to miss Paul coming up here on Joma's commentary. Um, so I had a question around those lines. Um, what do you think we're doing well in disc golf commentary today? And what do you see the next phase of disc golf commentary looking like? That's a great question. Uh, I think once disc golf gets to the point where it's on ESPN and, and different things like that. You're going to have to have educated guys at first who have done this for a living. Now, with that being said, if you look at like, uh, one second, sorry, you're fine. You're fine. Something's something's catching Paul's attention. There his computer's about to blow up or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We'll let a little quick shout out. And we still have the caller on the line. So you can still hang on the line. If you have a follow-up for Paul, once he's done answering, that'd be fine too. Um, but as Paul deals with whatever he's got going on right now, which we understand things happen, things come up. Uh, someone in the chat, we try to give everybody the time of day. We lost the caller. That's fine. Paul will still answer the question. Uh, in the chat said, here's a question. 
what are the 50? And actually, I'm going to let Paul hear this as he puts his headphones back on. All right, Paul's back with us. Uh, In the chat, they said, here's a question. What are the 50 or so pros like Yuli quickly being phased out as legit competition going to do? Now, I I think that was a slight at you. And I'm just going to say I just read that in the chat as it was. Um, They can't all be commentators, team managers, and whatever else, you know, charity jobs that are coming up. And I will say this is interesting thing because with the boom of disc golf, all these jobs became available. But what are players going to do as they start to age out, as we talked about earlier, or their bodies break down? Like, is there going to be a place for them or are they all just going to be like having to beg for money on the sidewalk because they didn't do anything else with their life? Like, is there any thoughts on that? Like, where are we at? Yeah, so I'm going to finish the last one, though. Yes, do that. So professional, we're going to have to have a professional, so to, to help keep the flow going. Like, that's what you have in all in all sports. And then you're going to have people like myself or Germ or Sexton or past athletes because people love their opinion. Like, if you look at uh, golf, there's always, like, Nick Faldo, who's a six-time major champion. He's very well-spoken, and he knows his stuff, so you have that those two people doing that together, you see it in basketball with Reggie Miller, Shaq, all these people, they all have those jobs. So as the sport continues, it's really to answer that next question, because it kind of feeds right into it is who does it better? Like you're looking for well-spoken, thoughtful individuals, and those are going to be the people to get the job. It's pretty simple. And so as you move forward, like that's who's doing it. I feel like right now, so those it's it's going to be the same thing as it as the sport continues like whoever does it better is going to get the job and as we move out of our careers and into commentary or whatever you decide to do like it'd probably be smart for the people who are doing it now to or who are not dipping their toe into that now if they're looking for something like that like you got to just get the opportunities when you can like i'm not dumb like i see this coming. And if you notice, I dipped my toe into everything for two years straight, every single thing that I possibly could. And not just to do it, I did it so I could become better at it because I knew that eventually my career was going to be over. Mm -hmm. And then I love disc golf so much. I am not an educated man. I didn't go to school, but I'm smart enough to know, Hey, I'm not an educated man. What is my fallback? I don't have one. Like this is it. Yeah, I think you, um, I'm inspired by the way you've pursued things. I've watched, like I said, 15 years of disc golf, and I've kind of seen this unfold. And it's inspiring to see how you treat the sport yourself. It really is. I mean, you're, you're one of the most inspiring players out there. Nick, go ahead yeah. and get your question, and we do have a caller lined up. Well, it was actually going to be a statement, so do the caller first, and I'll try to remember the statement. Okay, we'll do that. And this probably is, probably, let's take this as our last call. Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. You got a call or an opinion for Paul? Hi, this is Seth. I'm from Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Scratch to Scratch series. And I want to know the update on uh, how the guy's doing, if he entered his first tournament, how that went, and just uh, update on that. Uh, I appreciate it. All right. The call quality was a little bit poor. So if people had a tough time hearing it, he said he liked the scratch to scratch scratch series. And he was asking Paul, if there's any update or feedback on how the player is doing, has he entered a tournament? And are you able to disclose that Paul? No, I, I, uh, I've talked to him recently. He's still playing a little bit when he can. Um, congratulations to him. He got a promotion. And so he, he was already a sports analyst, I think with college football, 
and he got a big time um, kind of upgrade into whatever he's doing now to where now he's in Florida uh, covering all kinds of Florida college sports. So he's a really busy guy. And I'm sure once his life slows down, he'll, he'll get back into disc golf. But he, he sent me a nice message saying that he really appreciated being on the show and that he loved everything that he learned. And he was, he was pumped um, that the show was kind of the success that it was. So. I'll, I volunteer as tribute for the next uh, episodes and shows. I need to be better. We're taking Matt from the Nick and Matt show. We're going to make him a scratch golf. Can we do the group group lesson? You, me and Ben. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul can come on the show every week. He can just have his spot, promote whatever he wants. And then we get a lesson out of it. Perfect. All right. Sounds like a fair deal to me. Yeah. Uh, well, actually Nick had something, but I have something to also <laughs> add in. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, uh, I'll share a little bit about my past. I was actually a ski instructor for uh, during high school and college. Um, but what's, interesting about that is every saturday before the the ski area opened us as ski instructors would get essentially lessons on how to teach better and then there was also a national organization called professional ski instructors of america and they would certify people and they would have higher up instructors who then come and test your skills as a teacher um what do you think disc golf can do in that sense is that something that should be pdga driven where there's essentially a coaching institute or is that something that <laughs> you can see where I'm getting with this maybe a little bit is, is like, how can we push forward with that? Maybe by a player doing stuff like that. Uh, it's funny. That's what my Institute's going to be all about. I'm working on it right now to where I'm going to be coming up with a curriculum and trying to train other coaches to where you can go to that one website and then, you know, get the same curriculum that I teach. Um, people can take classes to get coached by the Institute and then be able to teach it, you know, in Ohio, if they're there, or maybe like Brad Schick will sign up and, and be a certified coach under that curriculum and be able to teach there. So that's one of the things that um, really drove me to um, starting the Institute. That's the, the main goal. And uh, the, one of the main reasons I did scratch to scratch was to prove concept that, you know, like, Hey, I'm good at this. The curriculum that I teach works and you, and you get better fast. And then, you know, I, I'm getting together a big group of individuals to um, really kind of dive into the biomechanics of disc golf to make sure that the things that I um, am trying to teach right now uh, are correct and correct changes all the time. So having somebody like that, you know, kind of back your work is really important. I'm trying to get sports psychologists on board, like the, the whole thing. So that's definitely... That's why I was smiling as you're, as you're saying it, I'm like, dang, you're making me drop this right now. But um, we're working hard to, to kind of get that um, moving forward because that's something that I, I really want to do. And the Institute, um, once it launches, you know, we're going to give a big percentage of that to the foundation, which will hopefully help college kids. And then maybe even help coaches from college, you know, get a little better educated in how to teach and, and everything. I think that that's how, we're going to not only get the sport to grow, but get people better um, down the line, because just like we were saying, like how you're going to have to get your local guy at the course, you know, buy him a couple of beers in order to show you how to do how to putt or whatever. That's what it was when I was a kid, you know, like it was like, yeah, if you give me a quarter light, I'll, I'll teach you what I know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, all right, <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> that. That's awesome to hear too, because like, you're not a good 
teacher of disc golf just because you're good at disc golf not just because you've been playing for you know however long like honestly, simon lazat says that by the but, way simon says that publicly He's yeah like, i can't teach it i can see it but i can't teach it yeah and as a, as a big soccer fan that's well known that like hiring a former player isn't the best manager like sometimes you want to hire the best right. coach he could have been a former or she could have been a former player but not necessarily so you could have oh. someone who's i mean overthrow disc golf could be an 890 player and just isn't that good but knows how to teach Absolutely. And that's, and that's what it is, is being able to teach people who then go be successful. That's how you get famous with coaching. Like, like um, the guy who coached Tiger, like, was he the best player? I guarantee <laughs> yeah. he wasn't beating Tiger, but mm-hmm. he trusted him, you know, to help him mm-hmm. with his swing and, and become better. Mm-hmm. And, and, you're, and you're right. The best players are, are usually actually not the best coaches. Mm-hmm. Like they just aren't. We got we got overthrow in the chat who Evan just referred to and he's like yeah. hey 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 he's like I'm not 890 rated I, I, I have no clue uh, oh my goodness what's his I know Mikey what's I don't remember that Josh, Josh, Josh. Oh my, I'm so sorry Josh I, I I don't I have no clue Josh's rating he could that's be funny. way better or way worse than 890 I, I have don't no clue, know I've watched a, a great few, teacher I've watched a few of his point. shots on camera and I'm just gonna say we know every shot that happens on camera right Yuli it's the, how good you actually are you throw a bad shot oh, that's how good you actually are so yeah. <laughs> those practice rounds are awesome dude i am a fan yeah. i do enjoy those almost more than a full round of coverage i just i sit down and i'm casually enjoying my time and i told <laughs> before you got on i said one of the funniest lines that me and my son laugh about still to this day and i don't know why i mean it probably wasn't even the funniest thing but it was i want to say it was up in portland i want to say that's where it was and you guys were playing it was front half of the practice round and someone said big germ says something like Oh, you're being a bully. You're bully Barry, bully, and he's going on and on. It's just like to this day, I I'll say that to my son. I'll be like bully Barry. It was just really <laughs> funny. So like, I just love those things that you guys get to do there, I, and it's a blast watching you. I hope you're able to heal up. We've kept you for a while, but I have a question. Would you stick around for another ten minutes if you were to play a game with us called Stat or Fiction? I'm in. Okay. If you don't mind, also, I don't know if you're into jerky at all, but we are going to, because you're on the Nick and Matt show, we're going to craft you. (laughs) We're going to gift you some double G craft jerky. Um, In fact, either you can send me an address to have it shipped to. We've got a couple packages coming your way, or you can reach out directly to double G craft jerky and tell them, hey, I was on the Nick and Matt show and I get free jerky, apparently. And we'll we'll hook that up. I love that. I love that the jerky man that stuff's yummy okay we're passing it around here and i feel bad because paul's gonna watch me take a bite but give me me some have you ever tried this jerky paul of course of course you have it's so good they have seven flavors and i'm enjoying one right now my mouth is watering mcbeast barbecue original hot boom sauce teriyaki smash crack pepper garlic lover's dream paul's max weight paul there you go paul's max weight (laughs) i am max weight right now so (laughs) (laughs) What would be, this is funny, this was not planned, what would be your flavor of choice? Are any of those your flavor of choice? Or if you were to pick your own flavor and to create it right now? It doesn't have to be a name. It could be a name. I mean, it's, What's it's the flavor? Pretty, it has to be some sort of berry, you know? Mm. Blueberry, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Berry flavored beef jerky. <laughs> like Because like there's know. sweet teriyaki and stuff, yeah. and there's probably like a sweet cherry teriyaki or something. Give In the, oh, in the chat, like give us your berry. best berry teriyaki berry terry (laughs) berry teriyaki all right so they they do provide to charities every purchase if you do of paul Macbeth, uh or i think each bag it says each bag paul Macbeth foundation double g children's foundation 
doing great things. You can get jerky subscriptions. They'll send you jerky on a regular basis. And I know over at Stat Mando, Evans told me that they've had they have Hans, one of their stat guys. Yep. Does the subscription. You can get wholesales. They do player packs. Uh, the hat I'm wearing is part of one of their player packs, but you get jerky, and who doesn't want jerky during the middle of a round? What do you think of this flavor, real quick, Ben Evan? This is the Smash Crack Pepper. It, it's good, honestly. Like if you, <laughs> I was going to talk, but I was so <laughs> yeah, you got to finish chewing. Uh, if if you're like, if hot boom sauce is like too spicy for you, but you like Way a kick, then this is perfect because like the smashed crack pepper gives you that kick that you want but it's not really like spicy and you need to go drink a gallon of milk right nick exactly like he's I'm got a mouth sweet and spicy by nate sexton and i'm ready to go get a glass of milk right now just because <laughs> yeah this one, is like everything a, tastes better with milk but this is like a tick under the, the sweet and spicy too which might be oh, my favorite man. but smash crack pepper is like i think it's top three for me <laughs> I think it might be in that third spot. It's so good. And one time, uh, Double G said something that just made me be like, genius. You take this, take a little bit of the garlic, uh, lover's dream, and take some of the boom sauce, like a piece, like little piece of each, and stack it and just eat it all together in one bite. I don't know. It's really good. We love it here at the Nick and Matt Show, and we're really impressed with their product. You will not go wrong taking this over the gas station jerky. All right. You ready to line us up here with a little bit of statter fiction? Let's see who can take it down. Let's go. Statter fiction, everybody. I think. Stat or fiction presented by Stat Mando. Boom. Presented by Stat Mando. Evan here every week bringing us the cool stats. And we have to decide, Paul, is what he's telling us a stat or is it a fiction? Is it true or is it false? So he's going to give us a statement and we have to decide. We'll go in order. We all make a choice and we see who can take it down. All right, Evan, take it away. All right. We talked about a few A-tier winners, uh, including uh, Nicholas Carl below me right now. Um, <laughs> and Kyle Klein taking down the 303 Open. This is the first time both of them picked up a PDGA win on the exact same day. <laughs> He followed the live scoring, but I don't know if he follows Nick's live scoring every round. Uh, Nick, you're up first. All right. So it was uh, Kyle and I would have to win on the same day. Exactly. <laughs> would be a stat. Yep. Um, I don't know why, but because of how random that is, I want to say it's a stat. <laughs> I'm still chewing on some amazing jerky here, and I'm going to say that is fiction. Feel free to elaborate on your reasoning if you'd like to, Paul. But what's your answer? Well, he said that he only had three wins ever. So if that's the case, that would be so random for Kyle to have. Well, dang. Yeah. But hold on, Nick, you, and I don't need to try to convince Paul one way or another, but are you talking a tiers or higher or uh, C any tiers, any tier, any oh, PDGA event. event. Okay. What do you think, Paul? And I bet you Kyle probably has under 20 wins. So I'm going to say, no, it's fiction. Okay fiction and evan all right what is it this is fiction yeah baby starting out strong so i said any pdg event because this can get tricky yeah but on june 11th 2016 nick carl in ma1 wins the brewster ridge open for open kyle klein in mj2 wins eagles wins <laughs> disc golf junior midwest regional wow mj2 that's a long time ago because 
they even changed the way that they do the divisions now for juniors. It's not yeah. MJ2 anymore. It'd be like MJ16 or something. And and to add a little bit more in, I was also looking at Alden Harris to see if he won on the same day as either Kyle Klein or Nicholas Carl. Or Nick Carl. I don't know I'm saying Nicholas. Um, sorry. It's either. It's <laughs> That's that's never happened before. So Allen's never won on on the same day as you two until yesterday. Wait, okay, so what, hold on. Yeah, let me. I just I thought it was a stat if we've won on the same day. I said yes. this is the first time both of them. So oh, this oh, is the oh, second oh, oh, oh. time. Okay. Oh. All right. All right, Paul. You oh. didn't think that either, did you? You no, I that didn't either. <laughs> oh, okay. me so. too. <laughs> So I totally thought it was just if we've won on the same day in general. Me I didn't too, hear Nick. the first. I didn't hear the first time, oh, and that could be you. partly my fault because I did you switch did. over to you another tab up. looking at the score. But that's awesome. I, okay, I didn't oh, even notice funny. it. I was just looking at fiction. I'm that like, okay, is funny. And before we get to okay. the next que- right. question, because some people chatted up. This game's so easy. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, before we get to the next question. People were commenting what they thought would be good jerky flavors, and I thought these were decent. Hot raspberry or raspberry. Um, then, then you had yeah, hot raspberry again. Raptor berry, nuke hot eula berry, and then I thought, uh, what was this one? Oh, bully bully berry jerky, bully like a bull, like the meat, you know, bully berry jerky. That's pretty good. So I like, I like that. that. A lot, yeah. So, uh, anyways, I had to get those out of the way. They were kind of funny, and I appreciated the comments. So, all right, Evan, takeaway question two. All right. Uh, sticking with Kyle Klein, I mentioned earlier that he threw a 1080 rated round in the first round of the 303 Open. Now, listen, this is the Statter Fiction. This is the highest rated round in 2022 so far for Kyle Klein. So 1080 is his best rated round of the year so far. All right. I'm thinking he hasn't been playing, I'm sure, to what he was hoping for. And I feel like I know that can inflate our thinking to be like, he's playing bad, which that's funny nowadays. But I'm trying to think if he laid down any hot rounds somewhere else. This is any any tournament, any event, not just any, his golf pro. Yeah, any PDG event on the year, considering this was 1080. Uh, I'm going to say this is a stat. You're up, Yuli. So this is his highest rated round of the year. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. Stat. Oh, crap. <laughs> you have to go fiction now. You're behind, dude. No, I know, but there's still one more question after this. So then that that's when I really have to get picky and choosy. But I know he one of his finishes lately was pretty good, but I don't think it was 1080 good. So I'll, I'll go stat as well. All right. This is a stat. And 83% agree with this um 1080 is the highest rated round of his year uh the second highest is a 1075 in round three at waco um i do remember that he was fantastic round but you know unfortunately (laughs) didn't finish yeah didn't finish that way and by the way i love how you shout out the percentages that you saw live that's nice nice little touch the chat the the chat yeah Yeah. um all right and i'll say real quick nick in your career, now that you're you're one for one, uh, and you're 39 and 42 in stat or fiction so far. So might just want to go for I gotta, the right. I gotta start taking it a little bit more seriously. Yeah, uh, don't oh. let uh, Paul get in your head. <laughs> I'm two All for right. two. You are. You are. It's amazing. Uh, Heidi Liney 
Lane, I. Tiny, Liney. Is this a story? Is this a kid story? Oh man! It's our, it's our new Dr. Seuss book. Tiny, Liney, Liney. Tiny, Liney went up the hill. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Stat Mando. <laughs> you can work with the numbers, not the names. Yeah, right. exactly. I don't pronunciate things. That's so funny. Um, I, st- I, I'm, even if I like pronounced it better than I just did, it's still probably going to be wrong. But Heidi L- Laney, La- oh my goodness. Okay. So We're this player, Heidi Heidi. <laughs> uh, won the first Prodigy Disc Pro Tour event of the year in 2020. This is her first ever Prodigy Disc Pro Tour win of her career. First time she's ever won a Prodigy Disc Pro Tour prodigy disc or is this european tour this is tour? prodigy disc pro tour so you said she played the first one in 2020 and this no, is her sorry, first win now in 2022 um she she won um yesterday at the mm-hmm. uh, helsinki prodigy disc uh, mm-hmm. prodigy disc pro tour the first event mm-hmm. of the year she won this one i'm saying that that is her first prodigy disc pro tour win of her career is that true stat or fiction paul first of her career i'm gonna say fiction because I feel like Kristen Tatar travels a lot, therefore leaving Estonia open for her to take down wins. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's fiction. Okay, fiction. I think, I think she's good enough to win it to have won before. Well, I have to go stat because if I'm gonna gain a point, then. I have to go opposite of him, so it's that. <laughs> the chat, or I should say, maybe the live chat doesn't mind, Nick, but later, the comments that we get post-show, people hate when we just make our choices so we can try to win. Oh, they based on, oh, based yeah. on, all right, well, okay, so let me let me elaborate <laughs> on it. Uh, I've never heard of her before, and that's probably just me not paying as much attention to the European or Prodigy Disc Golf Tour as I should be. Um, so. Wait. This, wait, it has to be a Prodigy Tour? Yeah, Prodigy yes. this Pro Tour win. I'm How pretty sure those... this is the first I'm pretty sure this is the first year they've ever been the This tour. is the this is the first year of the uh European Pro Tour. The Prodigy Death Pro Tour has been around for four or so years now. It's kind of okay. like the Finnish I'll, national tour. I'll stick, yeah, I'll stick with mine. It's a Finnish national what? I, I don't know wait. if it's officially that. Um it's I'm pretty sure it's only events in Finland. Um, in the last couple oh, of years, it's it's been the best fields in Europe besides the European Open or. Oh, um... crap. I gotta change my answer to stat then. Stay. Oh damn it! Now I gotta change so, it to fiction. <laughs> I was just gonna say I now. Mean, here, yeah. Well, I'm gonna say it's a fiction because I've heard of her before, and she's incredible at disc golf, and so she has won multiple events. <laughs> And, and the live chat is now saying you Fiction. have you need to write down your questions. Yeah, and sixty five percent. I'm looking like I get phone a friend here in a way, or the or pull the audience. I'm seeing the numbers of the audience, and it's right about up the middle there. So like, oh, this is this is going to be incredible. It's either going to be a tie. I think I'm going to go. We're going to have a playoff. I think. Well, no, I don't know. Let's see. You guess well, the same as that, Paul. and I'm right. Then we go. Yeah, to the I'm going to try to guess the fiction, right answer, not yeah. not based off of playoffs. <laughs> Let's see. My answer is going to be that. No, she's done this before. 
which is... Yeah, tell me what that is. <laughs> She's done it before, that which that. means that that's a fiction. No. I said yeah, this, is her, this is her first Prodigy Just Pro Tour win saying, of her career. So it's fiction. So if you say no, she has won one Other. or multiple yeah, before, fiction. it'd be fiction. Yeah, that's okay. fiction. Fiction. Yeah. All right, Every, everyone it. agree with that? Yeah. Answer's locked in? <laughs> yep. All right. Ah! I'm just kidding. Yeah, go ahead. This is fiction. She has won one Prodigy Just Pro Tour event before this past weekend. Oh. Um, and that was actually the last time she played a Prodigy Disc Pro Tour. It was the fifth one of last year of Hainola. Um, so she just come out and dominate wherever she plays. <laughs> no, she uh, in Prodigy. She's played four, uh, fifteen Prodigy Disc Pro Tour events now. Um, she has won the past two, but um, finished uh, fifth, sixth, fourth, third. A lot of podi, a lot of podiums, or I mean, top six. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people are in the field, but no wins until. The last two so now she's yeah, at she's two good. career um she's also played a few year uh euro tours and then played the first european pro tour uh finished well but not taking home the win uh notably we read yeah, i thought you were talking about the euro tour well sh- so it would be the second of the prodigy uh i i led you on with that one i said is this the euro tour uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick note over the off season uh stan mando and andrew fish ran the one true champion um, it was posted on Ulti World, which is starting back from the very first Worlds in FPO. And then if you win, you get the crown, and it travels to whatever event the winner um, holder plays next. Heine Laine, uh <laughs> took home the crown from Hainola last year and held it all winter long. So even when uh, Kristen Tatar, Evelina Salonen, Hanel Blomrus came over from Europe, they didn't own the crown. Heidi did. Uh, so it stayed in Europe. That's uh, so cool. Rachel Turton owns it now from the first European Pro Tour event. If you oh, are not satisfied with the information you're getting on the Nick and Matt show, I mean, you are not getting this anywhere else. I mean, the the humor, the fun, the entertainment. De- Dion told me the uh, a, a stat the other day that was pretty cool that I'm oh. going to share with you guys. Yes. Do it. And it is that I've beat more unique players than any person ever wow that is an actually a very cool one we get a shirt yeah that uh, was like so cool when he texted me that he's like hey just so you know like you beat more players than any person ever wow like, what so is paul the iron man of professional disc golf you know they had ac green in uh basketball cal ripkin is paul Euler-Berry the iron man a professional. Disc I would. Golf. I would say that it ha- that title would have to go to Brian Schwaberger. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 You you know, <laughs> but that's that is actually yeah. an incredible thing. And the fun part is with people like Stat Mando, we're able to pull those things up where we we would have been sitting there forever trying to do that in the past. The impossible. You just yeah, you just yeah. throw it in. You'd be like, I'm throwing it in the fire. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, and I'll give you the numbers. Uh, it's five thousand eight hundred and seventy-two unique players. That's what it is too. It's once you beat a person once, you beat them forever, essentially. Did he ever beat me? And this is, is there any way for you to find this? I played in a Vibram Open, okay? And I'm sure, I'm guessing. Then then yes, then yes, he beat you. No, no, but I'm just, you were at every Vibram Open, I'm assuming? Uh, I was, my first Vibram Open was 2007, I think. Look at, listen to what the dates, that's just, I I mean, I know you played it, but (laughs) 2007. And that was probably, this was before they provided the AM side. And I said, I'm going to play. 
And yes, you beat me if you were there. And I'm assuming you did. I just thought that'd be a fun stat also. You beat me. You beat Nick. Or fifth, fifth place. <laughs> Right. That <laughs> you beat me you beat nick i don't know if you ever beat evan or ben but we'll make that happen sometime you brian schwebberger's in the chat he said thanks yuli what, Whoa. A, what a coincidence dang <laughs> our show brings the fire brian schwebberger everybody in Shrubby's the chat the man. we should find hey, a way to let him call it there's the man that guy i'm telling you he plays like every weekend yeah and, and he usually wins every weekend right he, like, just, he literally that- just picked up another win Right, I know the grind, but I'm not winning. <laughs> if like that's so crazy how good he is. How do yeah. you say this and not offend every listener? But you're like, hey, if you're if you're a disc golfer who like has done really well in the world of disc golf, like let us know you listen. That that's cool for us. And then that there you say cool. you say Brian and boop, there he is. It's so just like we're just gonna wait. We're just gonna wait for Simon to message. Yeah, Simon will message. Hey, I'm here too, and we'll just have a big party. So yeah, yeah. and you know what, Mac. In the 2011 uh, Vibram Open, you finished 141st. Yes, I know. First, uh, <laughs> I don't in third place, Paul Uberry finished. But Paul Uberry finished third place. I wow. said that really. Oh, you beat me by 139 or 30. 160 total players. Hey, I beat 20 people just about. I'm actually. I thought I was yeah. worse than that, including a Nick Economos. Whoa, <laughs> Whoa. Nice. that's my claim to fame, everybody. So. <laughs> All right. Um, the, I'm I, curious the, how how much did Yuli beat you by? Because like oh, when stop, I, I so last year, four, four I want to come event. back on the show. This is, this is a round event. No, I'm going to guess this, this, this is a stat or fiction. Well, one yeah, well, stat or fiction. How many rounds year, was the event? Four, three, three. Oh, and also, stat or fiction. Did you make the cut? No. Well, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I can do I'm math just thinking right here. Because last year when we did worlds. It was five rounds. I placed 43rd, and I still got beat by 30 strokes. Well, So it's like, what, you know? I'll say this. In, in round two, you only lost by nine strokes to Yuli. Uh, in round one, nice I, I got to carry some ones and stuff, but uh, 82 minus 56. So what is that, 20, 26? <laughs> <laughs> There's... <laughs> There's lots of reasons I'm laughing, but someone said that that's not really Brian Schwaberger. Someone just went and changed their name when you brought him up. <laughs> no, like, that, no, that's no. him. It has to be. I know. I'm just joking. All these burner accounts. Like, <laughs> all right. So this was a blast. And I am really honored to say that Paul Uliberry has beaten me at an event. I am one of those people that has added to his stat. Without me, you wouldn't have that stat, or or without many of us. It took a lot of us to give you that stat. Yeah, so. He would still be the number one overall if you didn't play yeah. that event. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you can't sorry, say that, that for Matt, everybody. You that, just can't say that for everybody. I mean, eventually it stops somewhere. That is very cool. That was harsh of me to say. <laughs> so They're all so picking was, on me tonight, but we're having a good time. This was 2011. We're talking about this. So this was 11 years ago. Before you, Nick started disc golf. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious, if I... I want you to guess who got 17th place at that tournament that year. Me? No, no, well, I guess either of you can do it. But there's relevance to this, which is why I'm asking. There's a little bit of relevance to this. So this was 11 years ago, 17th place. That's not who you're going for, but wanted to name drop that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Give it to us, Nick. Um, Give it to us. Or unless Paul wants to guess. I want to guess. 17th? Yep. 11 years ago. 11 years ago, 17th place. This would make him Lilu Layla or whatever. (laughs) This would make Um, him 16 years old at this event. Ooh. Oh, wow. He's also very wavy. Wink, wink. 
wink, wink, wavy. Conrad? Nope. <laughs> That's a good guess. He's, a, I he's a fan also... of boats. Big boats. Tugboats. Oh. You he say may even right. have an apartment on a boat. <laughs> so we David had a, Wiggins? Yeah. David Wiggins. So we had him on the show last week. Okay. So that's, that was yeah. the relevance of it. But I was just going through the list of 2011, and I noticed David Wiggins. He was 10-17 rated at the time. Averaged well above his rating at this event. Made $700, which back then is that's a great payday. And uh, he was 16 years old. Maybe 16, 17, depending when his birthday is. I don't, I don't 100% know, but I thought that was pretty badass. And the relevance of just talking about talking to him last week i'll drop one more staff right now we talked about who's won an mpo when elaine king wins an fpo and how nick carl just did that became the 119th player i think to do that david wiggins has done that six times i I was very surprised by that that's that's more than paul Macbeth. wow well which actually at this 2011 vibram open paul yulberry tied Mr. Paul Macbeth, and they actually both were the same exact rating at 1033. Wow. Yeah, now, and two, what, what was that? 2011. 2011. In 2011, I was better than Paul Macbeth. Ooh. Say. We don't have a fire take for, oh, for him, unfortunately. Uh, uh, no, we don't have. Oh, fired. Fired. Paul Macbeth. Here's the fire sound. <laughs> so there was actually. So I, I remember, I forget where we were, Yuli. We were all hanging out somewhere at one of the tournaments. And we were making a joke that if Worlds was like a three or four round event, you would be like a three or four time world champion. Because there's been multiple times, I think, in your career where you've had the lead after three rounds or something like that at Worlds. And so if it just cut off right there, you'd be <laughs> yeah, dominating thanks, the world champion. Thanks for bringing that up. I was just going to say... Be- I think I'd be a five-time world champion. So yeah, bro, exactly. Bro, but you're so I good when you said rounds. that. And I was like, God, because cool. like, that's, that's yeah. also back when Worlds was, you know, I, what was it in 2014 and 15? Like seven rounds, eight rounds or Bunch, something like yeah. that? Yeah, I think it was six, six or six. seven. I don't know. The good Jeez. old days when I could, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> in 2011, Paul Uliberry was 12, six, and two ties against Paul Macbeth. So I was in. He's right. As beat him. him. Yeah, beat him twice as many times go. as it's been Beth. Statmando backing it up. That is not a fire take. It's a real go to one. Statmando.com if you want to know that cool information. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've made it to this point in the show where, honestly, Paul, we're going to let you go. I mean, if you decide to hang out, that's on you, but we're going to let you go. And okay. um, we're going to move into other topics and things where we're closing out, which we're probably. Well, in all seriousness, I, I hate to do this because it makes you be in an awkward spot. I don't care if you hang out for the next 13 minutes and we close out the show together, unless you're saying you got to go. I got to go. There we go. That makes it Sounds less good. awkward. We're happy about that. We don't want you to be here. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys having me on. I'd love to come on again sometime if you guys. Uh, we'll make you a regular. How about that? And, Absolutely. Um, this was awesome. I, I love watching what you guys do. I love all the guests that come on here. Um, Schwebe, hi out there. And, uh, I'm sure my mom's watching. I hope she. Is. I didn't tell her I was on here. I I should have. She can watch the. Well, she she'll should be following us on Instagram. So she might be watching. She would know. So but if Julie, she's out if you there, ever, happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you, and uh, I'll catch you guys later. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. If Paul, there's thanks. any cool things coming out with your institution or foundation, hit us up. We'd love to have you on. Oh talk, yeah, talk absolutely. About it. I'd love so, that. Appreciate it, dude. Heal up, See man. You. We look forward to seeing you out there soon. All right. Have a Peace. good evening. All right, everybody, Paul Uliberry, that was a good time. And I should have, I could have just let him go, not put him in an awkward spot. And I've done this before. I'll work on it.
It, but it's like, I, I see him being like, oh, like, really? I got to go? And I'm like, yeah, you got to go. And then I'm like, well, you can stay. All right, let's do this. I just cracked open as if we were doing jerky. <laughs> I cracked open. I opened the jar of this Hempfield Botanicals. And this Hempfield Botanicals here, I'll hold up the lid. The lid, let's see if I can get it to focus. And it's so bright in here. I, and I'm doing it reverse. But there's the little logo on it. This little container for those listening are like, what is he doing? There's salve in here. And the salve, I actually am going to put some on right now because my wrist, I have like a tendonitis issue in my right wrist. And it's funny we're talking with Paul about, you know, injuries and laying off it. Well, I'm not a pro disc golfer. And I don't have a long career that I've got to continue with. And so I like to throw whenever I can. And Hempfield Botanicals helps me feel better after the rounds. Genuinely does with a great smell, uh, including the chapstick. Now, you have this Hempfield muscle recovery in a little squirt container. I don't know what you want to call it, pump container. And this is literally squirt it all in your hand and then massage your muscles or get somebody else to do it. I don't know how you roll, but like, I'll tell you what makes you feel good and when you feel good you play better if you go over to hempfield botanicals you'll get 20 percent off uh 20 if you go over there you're going to realize how significant that is go check that out 20 percent off using the code nick and matt you can see on screen certified b corporation organically grown hemp they are recommended by physicians therapists a whole bunch of people that are smarter than i am i'm just telling you about my experience Ben or Evan, I gave it to you. Have you had a reason or a need to use it? Nick, have you been using this product? I know we got some more in for everybody. Absolutely. It actually kind of came in at the perfect timing because with how busy my schedule has been these last few weeks and um, just with disc golf and then also I'm um, doing a lot of coursework on the course that I'm currently looking at. And so fortunately, I have the Hemfield Botanicals to after a long work day or after a long day of disc golf, which is also a work day. I get to put it on and I put it on my ankles and my back. Those are the two spots and my kneecaps here and there, but those are the two or three spots of my body that usually feel the most inflammation. And so that's where, that's where I've been using it. Perfect. Anybody else? Good experiences. I was bad dogs. experiences. I was dog sitting this weekend. So I was not home and I played two rounds of disc golf on Saturday, drive back to the house that I'm dog sitting Lucky. at. And it's just like, I wanted to try it out. And then I was sitting there aching in pain <laughs> and didn't have anything to do about it. So uh, let it be known next time you plan on uh, playing two rounds of disc golf or one, keep it in your bag, have a little goodie bag. If you ever travel somewhere else, uh, remember to bring it in and not be sitting in aching pain like I was. Well, you talked about two rounds of disc golf and I have, and you guys have seen it. And when I say a home course, I'm talking like we have multiple tee pads, six baskets, and it just plays crisscross, like you'll throw from near a basket and all that. It's really kind of tight, wooded, open, all that together. But I had a tee pad that I built out of two by six pressure treated, put some plywood on there, pressure treated. Anyways, it made it a raised up off the ground. And a tree in a storm fell down, like a big tree, like a red oak, like, I don't know, 30 inch diameter big, right over it, like very, very close to it. I'm giving the whole background because I've put it off for too long. And this weekend, I went out there and took my chainsaw out. When you chainsaw and you don't normally chainsaw, you get muscles that hurt as well. So I'm cutting up the tree, and then I'm lifting, like, strongman style. Like, you know how they do the tires and all that stuff, like the big wheels and tires? Like, I'm lifting up 
this tea pad and I'm, and I'm pushing it up and then I throw it over and then I do it again. And I kept doing it the whole way to get it to its new location. I'm definitely feeling it back here. And I put some of that on there and it has this sensation to it that makes you immediately feel the effects. But then the long-term effects of the hemp field botanicals is awesome and 20% off. We're talking so much about it because we believe in it. We don't, they, they're supposed to only get talked about a minute. <laughs> we can't help ourselves. It's a great product. Go check it out. All right, let's do this. We feel like, and we're going to test this out right now. This is going to be, what, what segment is this, uh, Ben? Do, 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 do. Discura discussion. <laughs> Discura discussion. And we feel like, at least this is how I feel. Our show talks about stats. We talk about, we talk with players, interviews. We talk about the news of events. We talk about rules violations. We talk about all these things that are really interesting with what's going on in the sport as a media perspective, public, all that, right? We don't talk about our own, not that people want to hear my game. We don't talk about like the local community aspect. What are you doing? Oh, I was hanging out putting league. Like, tell us about how does the putting league work and like hearing cool insight into that kind of stuff. Tonight, we wanted to go, all four of us here, Nick, myself, Evan, Ben, and ask the question for this discure discussion. What is something you are working on currently with your disc golf game? And if it helps you and prompts you to think down the right road, it's probably what's the weakest part of your game and what are you doing about it? And if you're not doing anything about it right now, maybe we have some insight amongst our group here of four people to help something. Nick's, Nick's winning A tiers. I mean, he's probably going to be the one answering. So Still got plenty to work on. Okay, now. so I'm going to start with, I'm going to actually start with Ben. So Ben, what, what's something you're working on with your disc golf game? Something that I'm working on, well, I am. What's the weakest part? Yeah, of your weakest game? part, I'd say, because I'm working on everything. <laughs> um, right now is up shots, but not any up shots, backhand up shots. My forehand touch shot, I feel, is pretty solid for like my rating, whatever. But my backhand up shots, uh, sometimes they're awesome. Sometimes I just shank them to the ground. <laughs> really? Yeah. On on a backhand? On a back? If it's just like I just gotta get learn. The, like, I don't know, to, I guess, the brevity of my throw to make it not as long um, to kind of throw it a little um, softer, but also having control and um, without having to reach back all the way and do that whole hmm. thing. Because I think that when I do that, that's when I really, you know, shank. <laughs> this is exactly what we we're looking for. Your introspection to what you think you're doing wrong. So you think you're reaching back too far like you're doing like a full reach back on your up shots is what you're saying yeah I, well i wouldn't say i'm i'm doing that i'm just trying to learn to make it shorter and to be able to do an up shot without having the reach back i wouldn't say i do that every single time but i'm trying to make it consistent enough that i can do like a little simon like how he brings it like two feet in front of his chest and just like you know you can't do it. what simon does i'm you sorry know, no you know, no ben, that's I, not what i meant I, but <laughs> you know what i'm yeah, saying like yeah, how he yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like briefs the you know, his I, throw i i charge about 200 an hour ben so i'll be back in a couple of weeks if you're i'm just kidding i'll give you a free lesson when we all hang out let's i was go. just gonna say actually let's put this out there now we haven't put out a graphic yet but may 27 that's a friday friday evening we don't have an exact time but it's probably gonna be about five o'clock in that range we might be there a little earlier but like five o'clock is probably gonna be a start time we're planning at this point to hit up where meadow brook do 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 <laughs> and this is at an apple orchard and it's a pretty cool course we're gonna figure out what we want to do there it might be something along the lines of everybody versus us four 
And like every hole, like we play like one of our shots and everybody else gets to pick somebody to play. Like we draw names. We're going to try to do a fun Nick and Matt hangout time so we can all be together. If, if we bring 20, 30, 40 people, it is what it is. We'll figure it out. But May 27th, put it on your calendar. We're going to start sharing more information, but it's going to be in central Massachusetts area, a little bit north of Worcester. But that should be fun. All right, Nick, what's the uh, part of your game you're working on? My back end is definitely the biggest part of my game. Um, the biggest part of your uh, game. Excuse me. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest weakness, the biggest part of my game that is weak uh, is definitely kind of my back end. Uh, I actually have what I would consider and what I think a lot of people consider is an above average forehand. Um, it's not. The would most you say flashy. top five? Top five in the world? No, gosh, no. No. Paul Uliberry style? Not, not that good. And, and, you know, when I say like an above average one, it's like I, I forehand better than most people in the local aspect of things. And then um, on the road, like I have a lot of confidence in my forehand. I get pretty good distance with it. Um, you know, I, I can push a forehand pretty far. I don't know exactly how far, but I have a lot of confidence with it off the tee, whether it's a flex line, a hyzer, or just a dead straight shot with a nuke. Um, I just have a lot of confidence with it. And okay. putting, I've, I put the most work into my putting. It's the easiest thing to practice. And so I definitely get the most work with that. But backhand, I still have. What are you doing with your backhand? Like, what are you trying to do to correct it? Like, we talked about coaches and all that stuff. But, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, for me personally, it was kind of like, you know, I was trying to develop a form that compacted my body a little more to try to create more accuracy. And what I learned was, you know, I'm accurate, but I'm not explosive. And I'm not throwing that far. And so, what I've been trying to do now is kind of change up my form a little bit to where... You know, I'll drop my left hand a little bit quicker off the disc, or I really won't put it on the disc at all now. And, you know, kind of like the way I'm lining up my shot to where I feel like I'm not flailing my body around a little bit more, but I almost feel like I'm more flexible to where, like, I feel like I'm looser in a sense. And so I've noticed that my disc is coming out faster. I'm generating more speed with my hips. I'm planting, like, a lot of things that Paul has told me you know, Paul Macbeth has told me over the years of like really focusing on your plant foot, not opening up your foot too wide. Like I'm, I'm taking a lot of time to kind of really think about my shot and it's getting better. Obviously it's, it's not like I lack full confidence in it. I mean, a majority of my shots this past weekend were backhands. Um, I, I'm obsessed with throwing buzzes. And so any backhand buzz shot I feel confident in, it's more so when I get to distance drivers. I definitely don't have near the confidence I do with a putter or mid range. And so right now I'm actually kind of dialing things back to see how far I can push a buzz without completely flipping it over. Like what distance can I get if I throw this 80% to hundred percent and then I'll move up to a fairway driver. And what I'm noticing a lot right now is in all reality, I'm pushing onyxes almost just as far as I am distance drivers, yeah. but it's a lot easier. You know, it's a mm-hmm. lot more controllable. I'm doing it more consistent. Every so often, I'll get a really good rip with a Zeus or a Nuke to where it was like, oh, holy crap, that actually went pretty far. Definitely further than how I've thrown in the past. Uh, but it's not nearly as consistent. And but so on- Onyxes go just... far, Nick. Onyxes go far. It's a hard comparison. Oh, Onyxes, boom. <laughs> Onyxes are awesome. Um, so that's, that's my biggest part of the game right now that I'm working on is uh, backhands. All right, we need to get you a coach. I'll volunteer for that because obviously, you know, I, I don't have anything I'm working on. If I want to learn the turnover, yeah. I'll come to you. 
the force of the Nico. The force the Nico. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll go to Matt Graham for the Nico. That being said, and I say this to you every time, and every disc golfer will say, hey, I'm getting better. And then every time it happens, it doesn't get better. But in all seriousness, this question and this discussion came to my mind today because I have been working hard. And I'm talking like by myself, mentally, trying to fix what I know the issues are. And for me, and some of you may relate, and I heard somebody the other day relate to me, and I was like, you struggle with this too? I typically would throw before my foot was actually planted. When I say throw, I'm not actually saying it's coming out of my hand before my foot's planted. That would be crazy. I'm talking, I'm starting the, the we'll say the pulling motion, like putting my elbow forward before my foot is officially planted. And when you do that, your timing's all off now. And now your hips are starting to rotate early. And now you're not going to be able to generate the throw power because your arm's going to be lagging behind. And so for me, I wasn't getting a lot of power. And things were coming out when they would come out early left. I told myself, Matt, you're not planting your foot. And it would just happen and happen. And it felt weird. It felt almost as weird as when, like, I would go from, like, fixing it felt weird. I mean, like, I would like, put your foot down and then throw. And I remember switching from a fan grip to a power grip back in the day, and it felt so weird. I was like, this just feels wrong. And I'm kind of in that phase right now where it feels wrong, like throwing timing, getting my foot planted and pulling and making sure. And this is thanks to overthrow and all that kind of stuff out in the disc golf world now, where the, the angle of your elbow to your shoulder and what, where it should be at what time. And obviously, thanks to things like DG Max Wax and all that, like the the. I am feeling like I am throwing much further and more accurately because I'm not getting this rounding issue as much and I'm not fixed. Mm -hmm. But the last two rounds in my backyard practicing, I'm like, I feel like I figured it out. Like you have to believe it mentally. I have to believe it that like it, it's not about going faster. It's not about pulling as quick as you can. It's like, get your timing down smooth, right? The whole thing. Everyone Mm -hmm. says it try it believe it and it's starting to work for me uh nose down all that stuff's a big deal but like for me it's the timing of my foot planting so that's where i'm at evan it's your turn to make a fool of yourself no i'm kidding (laughs) what are you working on yeah my mine's a little bit similar to that i i've been working on my backhand for like a couple years now because i used to be all forehand like every every shot and that was just obviously as you see with the the pros the all forehands isn't long lasting injury wise i was having a lot of shoulder problems um, but I made a lot of strides, but now I've kind of hit like just a huge mental block on something similar. You're saying I'm like opening up too early. I got a lot of things better. My reach back is better. Um, and I'm getting a lot just more distance, whether I'm getting more spin or just better nose angle, all those things are going better. But every single time I'm opening up my hips and my foot, just every single time before it. <laughs> and it's frustrating. Cause I can, I, I can, I can step through it We're and practice relating. it. Yeah. I can step through and practice it. And it's like, it's honestly perfect. Like everything feels good. It feels natural. And I'm not like opening up at the right time, I guess, or pretty good. Uh, foot's not opening up either. And then it's once I know I'm throwing, everything goes out the window. And if I do like, <laughs> don't do it, it's like a, uh, uh, and it like jitters and it, it, it feels all bad. And so I'm working on that. And of course, while you're working on that, other things come up. I just I played know. around with uh ben and, and ben was posting some stuff in the story <laughs> and we were watching it back and i'm like oh my goodness like what am i doing on this whole i, I had a fantastic throw so it worked but ben's like yeah you're over there doing disco like yeah, I was, you literally have a disco <laughs> throw i was like you know how katrina allen kind of like 
pumps her arm up. I mean, a lot of people do a pump. I mean, Macbeth does, but like she kind of like gets a little high. Mm-hmm. I think I was doing that times like 10. And of course, I'm not as good <laughs> at her. Can I show the stream? You can oh, hold I, her up. Yeah, I remember watching those shots. Can I show the stream, yeah. Evan? Uh, yeah, you can show it. if See right. if it, see if it that, focuses. Oh, oh. Hold it. Oh, Here's the disco. Hold it. Yeah, hold yeah. it right there. Yeah, that's so, a really so, high reach. Yeah. Yeah, I went up there and then I would go back. Right. And I think my reach back was decent. Uh, and then I, like everything else was great. It's just doing a lot of extra motion yeah. beforehand. Yeah. And it I think I was just putting yeah, yeah. a lot too. Yeah, I was focusing on other things. And so I was doing that and then we noticed it. And then like my next two rounds, I'm just focusing on not doing that. And it was really easy to fix. It just once you know it. But opening up has been trouble. But uh, I'll switch topics real quick and say it like a different mental thing I'm working on too. Um, besides just form, is just trying to get more birdies. I think like that's obviously easier said than done, right? I'm laughing but, because it's, we all try to. Yeah, do. of course. But listen, listen to me. Like uh, as, as in like getting riskier with it, trying to like get a birdie, birdie, uh, playing more like aggressive. Yeah, like, I'm going to try to do this to practice doing that. Whether I do it, yes. I if I'm playing a tournament round or something, but to get in that saying. mindset mm-hmm. of getting birdies, even if I'm getting more bogeys, that's okay. I'm I, I hit circle two a bunch, or if I get circle one, I'm not a good enough putter to always get it done. So it's kind of a lot of things coming together, but just the mentality of like attack, 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 get those birdies. If you, you need have them the to skills, it works. Yeah. And that's we a, had Calvin say. We've had Calvin saying, I was going to toss this over to Nick because he's now he's really in the pro tour scene. Calvin's like, we're trained to like attack for birdies on every hole. Like Nick, what yeah. do you think? Well, I was going to say is like, I, I play a lot of casual rounds and I play a ton of casual rounds with friends and I hate playing scored rounds. If I'm not like, I, I, I honestly, if it's not for money, I don't play a scored round really anymore. I don't care for it. Like I'm always throwing multiple putts. You know, one of the biggest things that I focus on whenever I practice is putting. And so almost every single time I take all three of my putters and I'll putt from the spot where my disc lands, I may throw one drive, one upshot, but I try to always putt. Um, And it makes me laugh when I'll play with people who are on, you know, the AM2 level, AM1 level, where they'll have like a 55 foot putt and we're in a casual round, not playing for money, nothing. And they lay it up. And I'm like, this is the time, like. (laughs) This is where you practice that. This there's is the no time. repercussions. Yeah, there's no repercussions for you to roll down a hill right now, except for now you just have to make another upshot. Like we're not keeping score. Don't. It's not going to kill yourself mentally, but like, yeah, learn what it's like to putt from 55 feet and what you could take as a pressure moment of just any sort of practice round. I mean, if you I'll lived practice, up here, Nick, if I, if I would I'm, be getting lessons I'm, from you. If you lived up here, in all seriousness. Like, yeah. I would be getting lessons from you. You've come so far, and you know so much more Thanks. than me now. Well, I, I want to counterpoint yeah. that for a second, too, Nick. And, and if you're, like, mm-hmm. you're kind of specifically talking about touring pros, and that's totally fair. You guys, all that matters is is your official tournament rounds. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, they hear the pros say that, but their casual m- rounds might be, like, the the peak of what they get to play. That's what matters, yeah. and that's where their fun is. True. And and some people like I'm I'm gonna say myself with this is like I always want to keep score every round I play because I want to see just I mean a n- numbers guy I want to see it all at the end and kind of see how I progress like what's my best score what's my best score you, in any hole I I want to track you count, everything like, 
when you go out for a round, do you throw multiple shots on one hole or do you specifically go out and try to throw 54 shots on a par 54? You know that, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I get, get where you're going. And, and I will throw extra shots that I won't count on towards my score. So if yeah, I so you play, you play the first on everything. Yeah. If I have a risky putt, I actually I just did this. Oh, I forget. I had a great name for it. Shoot. What? But I was like circle two kind of risky putt where if you go for it, you might be like 80, 90 long. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm I was like, I'm going to do a. Uh, a dump and run i think is what i called it <laughs> and so I, I had two of my putters i just like laid up the first one right at the pin and then like immediately after <laughs> just <laughs> go full-on run it and i chained out so it like it wasn't risky but like yeah. if i missed and that was my official shot like i was maybe double triple bogey yeah so yeah, yeah. i do do things like that where i i play for my official score but then i still get that practice in on trying to hit that big putt but of course yeah. you miss out on that I guess that I guess mental for, part where you need to know yeah. you like the risk is there and you need to make it. Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, like the only during the week, really the only rounds that I score are normally like Thursday nights around here. We do a tag match league and which tags are wicked fun. We, we don't really do that in Massachusetts that much, but down here in Virginia where I live, tags are a huge thing. And so we'll have tag matches at a ton of the local courses. And so that's when I kind of get that competitive round or if i'm playing doubles or something like that but if i'm going to drive like where i used to live it was about 25 minutes to get out to new london which is the best course in this area i'm not going to drive 25 minutes to play one shot you know like a legitimate score ground unless it was for money because i'd go out there and i'll throw three four or five shots off the tee i'll throw three four or five up shots i'll putt at a basket for 20 minutes if i feel like my putt's bad and they, I'm talking about solo rounds, but um, like that's just, I don't know, kind of the difference of like, I, I don't know, it's weird, but I don't know. I'm We're trying to think, over like, here. Scored rounds, it, it's tough. It's tough for me to justify going out to a course on a practice day in a sense for me, and just go out and score it. Now I will say this. I will say I'll I'll, I'll backtrack that really quick. Last year. When um, I was living more towards uh, one of these courses called Sandusky, it's a very, very quick course to play. I lived about 15 minutes away from it. I would go, and in the morning, the first round, I'd get there for about 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. I would throw a practice round, so multiple shots. I would get my body warmed up. And then the second round, because I could play the course usually in an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, and if I did a scored round and I was playing well, I could probably get it done in less than an hour. Um, so I would do a practice round first, and then I would do a scored round to where it was actually one shot everything. I would go get lunch, and then I'd go back out to the course, and whatever I felt like I didn't do well in the scored round, I'd practice on. So if I felt like my forehand right. sucked, I would forehand every single hole um, at least once. So, I, I like yeah. the chat, Josh from Overthrow. He's getting a lot of airtime tonight. We appreciate the fact that he's yeah. in the chat and loving it, and everyone else that's in there as well. And he's saying like the idea of like, hey, practice should be practiced, like run things, like learn from experience is how I'm reading that. Mm -hmm. But you still need to practice your strategy for how you would play a tournament. And I think that's something I'm teaching my 12 year old, and that's what takes time is yeah. getting him to understand like you don't run everything. There's a time and a place, and and I hate to tell him I told you so, but there's been enough tournaments where he would have won by um, like five shots, but he ends up losing by five because he's not there mentally. He's like, I can hit this putt. Like I can do this all yeah. the time. And that's great confidence. But like yeah. tournament strategy says, I don't need to. It's like, so mm -hmm. it, I love this conversation. It was great. I think we wrap up the disc discussion. This was a fun one tonight. A little different than don't usual. Don't forget to go to discuradg.com for your apparel needs. Perfect. Hey, any tournament directors, by the way, any tournament directors out there, 
we do wholesale. We have an awesome badass wholesale program where if you need shirts done for your tournament, hit us up. We'd love to do it. I, I would rather have one of those UPF 50 long sleeves or sweatshirts mm. over and just another what? dry fit. We do the UPF in our wholesale stuff too. That sounds so cool to me. We're, we're actually, so uh, I'll, I'll kind of shed some light on this, but one of the tournament directors here in Virginia, he's running the Lake Marshall open am side. And he ordered, I think it was, no, I, I do know it. It was all short sleeve UPF gear um, that, they design whatever logo they want on it. We do it front and back, and it's incredible. And then you get to the UPF gear. Can we um get the words dump and run <laughs> on we a shirt? We could literally come out with podcast shirts. And so if someone clips something funny like the dump and run, we could come out with the Nick and Macho dump and run shirts. It's, it's going to catch on just like two on one. Like everybody knows that. Now, yep. like when you're playing like legit with the round, you're going to say it. Okay, it's, dump and run. Yeah, it's a dump just, and run. Just be like, I heard this on the Nick and Matt show. Evan said something that was awesome. We're, we were laughing, Nick. I don't know if you heard us like squeaking and giggling in the <laughs> background, but when you were talking a minute ago, people are in here like, oh, I've done the dump and run before, or I've lost a good sock or two yeah. doing the dump and run. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> okay. You're on the course. You, you dump and run and you, you needed something. So you grabbed your sock. <laughs> oh, okay. I was so confused all right, with all that. Right, now you get it. Okay. okay. All right. The dump and run, everybody. Nick and Matt show. So we are a little bit, oh, <laughs> people are still going with it. We're a little bit over time as, as if we have to end these things. We all have lives and I, I want to be respectful of everyone's in this show. We're having a good time. Um, so re really quick, yeah. really quick. Uh, I'm in a group chat with me and the owners of Discura, right? And uh, one of my buddies just commented or like posted or okay. texted the other one saying, "Yo, we need dump and run shirts for the show <laughs> ASAP." So like, I my boy Josh, yeah, he, he, my my buddy Josh, he listens to the show all the time. Him and his son, and uh, so yeah. anyways, dump and run. I'll shoot you we'll, my we'll address for up. the uh, the fee. Yeah. The licensing yeah, yeah, fee. Yeah. The finder's fee. Another, yeah, yeah. another oh, fee. Oh, man. <laughs> another tax. That is funny. That is funny. Yeah, yeah. I think we've had a lot of good shirt ideas on the show over the years. Um, so we're over time, but we wrapped up the disc gear discussion, which is great. Fantastic discussion. And I, I wanted to throw a few, uh, few things out there. One is relevant to me because I have juniors who are playing disc golf and compete even at the world championship level. Interesting note, we're not going to get into it deep. Maybe it will come up again when we have updates for this. But, and I'm going to probably make it too simplistic here. But they invited, the PDGA invited 1,500, 1,500 junior players who qualified. And they said, you have qualified, you are invited to participate in Junior Worlds. And I'm going to oversimplify this, and I'm not trying to bash the PDGA or anybody else, because where we're at in the sport right now, it would have been a little bit hard to know this, okay? But where we're at in the sport, this is also a great indicator of how the future should look. The registration opened for juniors this last week at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, okay? So it's kind of late when it comes to the East Coast, but that's not the main point I'm making. It filled up with 200 and, uh, 276 players in two and a half minutes. 104 players, not even in a week passing, are on the wait list. 104 players that were invited to Worlds. Is this a scenario where you get invited to Worlds and it's like, sorry, you weren't fast enough on the keyboard? Is that how World Championships should be? And again, I'm not bashing on this one. I'm hoping it's an indicator of how things will have to go in the future. There are some interesting things like it's a combine this year, out not at Ledgestone, but at those courses in Peoria 
where they're running Masters Worlds, and there's 800 players sign up for Masters World the same week as juniors. Yeah. So they it can't even take more juniors. Yes. So I think, hopefully, this is an indicator that that's going to be impossible in the future because I would like to even say, as my closing thought, that they will open up worlds eventually by age division. And I know people are going to say they've tried this before and it's really tough, but eventually it's going to be like, and just so you know, MJ, uh, MJ 18 is 18 and under. They're going to have a Worlds for MJ 18. It's not going to be combined with everybody because eventually you're going to have four or 500 18-year-olds competing, right? And you couldn't do that all at the same time either with every other division. There's going to be 400 in the other division. So I just think this was really like interesting. I have hope. I have hope. There's been a lot of feedback provided to the PDGA on this specifically. Like, hey, you invited these juniors and they didn't get in. And they're sitting on a wait list where it's probably not going to move. That they're going to try to figure something out, but they might have their hands tied. Long story short, that happened. It's an exciting thing. I'll give it that way. It's exciting. It's really hard to tell my son that we were going to Worlds for the last year and then we missed it. it something will work out. And for what it's yep. worth, I told him, I said, if we don't make it to Worlds, which was very sad for him. If we don't, we're going to travel the U.S. for 10 days hitting up every course that you ever dreamed of. He goes, Idlewild first. And I'm like, okay, we're going to Idlewild. Oh, so like, he, he's yeah. in his mind, he's picturing this journey across okay. the U.S. So that almost sounds more fun to me. In, in some ways it yeah. is. Yeah, right. But he, he has a, yeah. a small chance, but he has a chance of winning a world title too. So it's like, it would be pretty cool to have that chance, but it'll happen again. Yeah. So whether they open it up or they don't, but let me just end with this question, Nick and Evan. World championships now, do you think if they put, let's just say Nick, a cap on worlds, which they do. And they said, you're invited, but who can register the fastest? Is that how world championships should be? No. Like, how do you foresee it well, working like, in the future? Like by rating like if, or by whatever. So let's say this. It's like if champions cup, if they sent out, let's say it's a hundred person MPO field right. and they set out 110 invites right. that completely defeats the purpose of it because now 10 people who got invited to this event are on the wait list. So, I mean, to be honest, I like how USCGC is to where you got to qualify throughout the year playing big events mm -hmm. um, to qualify for that event. We're talking about the world championships, which in a sense is the most prestigious event in the world when it comes to a player's uh, kind of fame is almost dependent on a world championship. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think there should be different requirements for it. Like I got invited because I'm, thousand plus rated you get invited um, and that's the point is like there's yeah. there's criteria for getting invited but i i yeah. my my only recommendation i want to hear evan's point is do that by like that's a qualification like that's like you have to meet this to be able to play at worlds kind of thing just like they do for you have to be a certified official there's a lot of things right so you have to have played a certain amount of events okay and they could say mm -hmm. it's based off of points too but you have to play a certain amount of events and get a certain amount of points but if you're going to invite 1500 and then not open it to 1500, like you need to have another criteria. So it's not just a registration speed game. And I'm saying, I, th I would love for it to be and hate me for this highest rated in a division up till that division's full, whatever their capacity is. And if it doesn't fill with those players now open it up to the next and just keep going down by the best players. I feel like a world championship should have a representation of the best players, not who registered the fastest. I'm yeah. sounding a little disgruntled, and I'm not, again, I'm not upset. I'm just hoping it gets figured out uh, eventually. I'm going to compare this for a second to how the Little League World Series operates, which is obviously vastly more popular. I think it has, like, 
tens of thousands of players each year from one age group, 12 year olds. Um, but what happens there is you kind of have your, your town or even part of a town team. You have to win kind of like a county ish tournament. Then you have to win a regional tournament within your state. So we would just do like central mass here. And then you have to win Massachusetts championship. And then you'd win like a new England championship. Yes. And if you win the new England's, then you get invited. And there's only like eight, 10, 12 regions from the United States invited. And you, uh, you represent new England, the great lakes, the Southeast, like the Pacific mm -hmm. Northwest or something. I, I forget exactly what it is. So I something, agree. Yeah. Something like this. And it, it kind of relates to a lot of other topics we've talked about, but having something like the, the Northeast, championship hey you would have your kids go kids play disc in. golf actually hosted this because yep. that was our vision and this is what we did when we ran united states junior championship we did what we're saying and i'm yeah. not saying that like toot our horn like we did that we were like you either qualify or we open it up off of rating tiers because we said if we really want this to be a top level u.s championship the best players in the u.s have to be there we can't just fill it with people who are local to that tournament yeah and there's two ways yeah. of looking at it like one there's getting the best kids possible and then there's two getting the best Kind of experience and growth of the game and i i personally think if you just have a ratings uh cap or cap or i mean not necessarily cap but ratings tiered registration you are getting the best kids in the game but it might not be growing that competition and regionality you might have a newer player who didn't get that rating up or kids ratings are always crazy because you're unless you to get I a better rating you want to play with adults like there's so I much agree. to it i agree so yeah. like i i think a big push to get regional events after hearing this makes a lot of sense. Even if, even if it's, let's say three in East central and West. And if you finish top 50, you get an invite sure. and then it opens up to the top 80 after that or something right. like that. I, it, it, I would rather see that. Let me, let me close with this. The PDGA, there's a lot of things that we can debate about. Are they doing well or they're not? The sport has been growing at a fantastic rate in a way that's hard to keep up. I'm not justifying issues that they're having in some areas. It's hard to keep up. Same thing with juniors. In fact, if you go back five or six years, there wasn't even a junior world. It was not. Like, it's, I had dreams when I started Kids Disc Golf, we're going to be the first to do it. And then it was that year DD announced they were doing it. So I said, well, let's run the U.S. championships. So it's newer. The nice thing when DD did it was that they said they weren't going to turn away any player because they weren't running an event at the same time. So I think lessons are learned here. Again, I feel like they're going to run a fantastic event. All these things. There's no animosity here. I'm in support. Nate Heinold's running it. We were, <laughs> full disclosure, Kids Disc Golf actually put in a bid to run Worlds with Nate Heinold this year, 2022. We ended up not folding on Kids Disc Golf, but stay tuned for that. That's going to be interesting. I can't spill anything, but it's getting picked up by somebody else that's going to take it to the next level. So we were going to do that with nate heinold and now i'm texting nate hey what's up with this wait list so like i'm yeah. in support of him like we're actually on the bid with him to run it originally and then things just changed but like it's just i just wanted to put it out there i'd love to see world championships pro mpo everybody do what we're saying like usdgc style all right hopefully everyone uh look at that our our, our live chat went down drat no i'm kidding <laughs> it's like they all left matt started talking it's the end of the show. We went long, but Paul Uliberry was yeah. a great guest. We had a lot of great topics. Nick, fantastic win from you. Uh, people Thanks. are chanting for the dump and run in our <laughs> chat. We'll make it happen. And we'll see everybody May 27th. Again, I'll say it. Mark it on your calendar. Look for our social media. But in the meantime, mark it on your calendar, May 27th. Uh, Nick, go ahead and close us out.
everybody thank you for tuning in on this wonderful monday night if you're listening currently live on youtube please go hit the thumbs up button we great greatly appreciate it thank you for chatting it up tonight with us all you post podcast listeners leave us a review if you can hit that five star button i don't know how it works on all those but <laughs> thank you for listening and downloading our show on your podcast platforms have a great week everybody tell some you love them we'll catch you in the next one hate to dump and run everyone <laughs> but you're awesome ben you're awesome having your awesome nick peace out everybody the nick and matt show a disc golf podcast designed for you the disc golfer find the nick and matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on youtube